0: I usually do start recording without telling the person. Oh yeah, and which I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I talk through my song like every time. Have you heard any of my podcasts? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, here's (laughs) Nino. She says uncle there. I always have to explain, (laughs) but I just bleep it out because it sounds funnier. Like she's swearing. Like. Which doesn't really make sense. Like, what would she be saying there? Uncle Nino. F- fucking Nino. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, long time since I've done a podcast. It's been a year. I think I did it last October, October 2015. And I have on the podcast, Yosh. How do you pronounce your last name? Kasahara. Kasahara. Did I say that right? Almost. <laughs> Kasahara. Anyway, um, Yosh I met through Ryan. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I'm gonna have to bleep his name out. Actually, no, I didn't, because he was on a podcast. Oh, and he we ha- he didn't want to be like himself on it, so mm-hmm. we gave him like a crazy. I Can't remember what his name was now. Um, but anyway, he and then I I sped up all the audio so that we sounded like like chipmunks <laughs> through it. And so now people don't, Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have explained it because <laughs> then people would just wouldn't have known. Well, fuck. Anyway, he's exposed now. What's done is done. That was, that was him. On the <laughs> podcast. Um, actually I was, I was saying in my vlog this morning, my first vlog ever, um, that you were going to be on the podcast. It was funny. Cause I was, I was like, um, you're going to be on the podcast. I realized, realized last night that I know nothing about him, and <laughs> so today on the podcast, I was going to get to know you. <laughs> so one of the things was just, I I probably, where are you from?
1: <laughs> well, uh grew up in Abbotsford. Yeah. Originally, um, I was born in Ottawa. My parents moved from Ottawa to Kelowna for a few years uh, from my dad's job, and then uh, we moved to Abbotsford when I was seven. Hmm.
0: Seven. Abbotsford when did you and then you went to elementary school and high school in Abbotsford Mm -hmm. what high school did you go to
1: it's called Rick Hansen secondary it's on the west side of Abbotsford yeah
0: yeah nice um and what would you what did you do after that (laughs) did you take anything after high school
1: graduated from high school and uh I moved moved to um Vancouver to go to UBC Mm -hmm. lived on campus for four years what did you take there I took uh the Bachelor of Commerce program, so business and um that's where I met Ryan. Okay. And a number of other friends that I'm still yeah. in touch with today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um where, UBC? so you would have been you were know, like eighteen, seventeen. And then did you did you just stay in Vancouver after that or mm-hmm. did you mm-hmm. move back to Abbotsford?
1: Yeah, so I met my girlfriend now wife, Christy. Mm-hmm. Um we met in third year and we moved in together in fourth year. And, um, uh, we've been living, living in Vancouver ever since she, uh, moved away for a couple of years to do her PhD in Mm -hmm. archeology. span And so that's what she does. She's a professor at the university of Western Washington. uh, Cool. Yeah. We've been in Vancouver pretty much ever since.
0: Sweet. Um, what did I, and then, so actually one of the things I said on the blog was like, I know he likes food. And I was just like, I. And then I was like, I don't think he cooks for a living. <laughs> and and then I just realized that yeah, I have nothing. I know nothing about you. Um. So what do you actually do?
1: Uh, my day job is uh, uh, working for Alabaster Homes, we're a real estate development company. Oh, okay. Um. Ever since I graduated from UBC, I've always been uh, working for real estate developers. Mm-hmm. Um. It's just something I kind of fell into uh, after my final year at university. In between, um, second and third year, and first and second year, I worked on a construction crew. So mm-hmm. it kind of got me interested in um, construction, and I wanted to be involved in the business in some way. Uh, I, I like the idea of building something and and um, being able to see a project that you worked on, yeah. uh, drive past it, and, and think about what went into it.
0: <clears throat> That's cool. I I At school, I took um, architectural and building engineering mm which I kind of do now. Not really, <laughs> but um, I was talking about, we were talking about earlier, we just ate um, some Malaysian food and we were talking about, um, um fuck, I forgot. <laughs> I do say fuck a lot. Holy <laughs> shit. And shit. <laughs> uh, but we were talking about food. Actually, in the in, in my vlog, I was talking about how you love to cook and I was just kind of the main thing that I knew about you and um I love food which is what I kind of mentioned in the vlog that um but you you probably a lot know a lot about like food culture and stuff right um which is something I don't know much about I know what things taste like I like to eat and stuff but I probably don't follow the the uh, food culture that much um what was the machine thingy you were telling me about again Uh, sous vide sous vide <clears throat> i've seen them on the food channel mm-hmm. do you watch the food channel a lot yeah yeah, yeah love that channel <laughs> um i was, eh, i'm kind of a fan of what's the um what's his name now the blonde dude drives around isn't in his guy fucking, fieri guy fieri
1: <laughs> diners drive-ins and dives <clears throat> i don't ah, fuck it, it's yeah.
0: funny how that shit took off like yeah. people just go to restaurants they bring a camera and they just fucking get fed like they don't even, I'm pretty sure they don't pay either. A lot of them don't. Yeah. He just goes and eats. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I, like, I want to do that. Because <laughs> there, there are even some on the food channel that, like, um, the guys that do it don't even have any kind of, like, food background. They just go and taste food and tell them if they like it or not. Right. Um, it's pretty crazy, um, but I have definitely seen, fuck, I can't remember Su- what it is, sous-vide. Yeah, I've seen them being yeah. used, and yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Yosh was telling me about it. Um, when did you start like liking the cook and all that? Like, yeah. When did you start getting into the whole culture of it?
1: I guess it started when I was a kid. Um, in our family, we would uh, cook together on special occasions. Uh, my dad uh, was Japanese and my mom is um, German background. So we had a couple of different cultures kind of influencing what we would have around Christmas dinner, for example. So we'd do like <laughs> a turkey dinner on Christmas Day. And then maybe on Christmas Eve, we would uh, do a Japanese meal. And that might involve things like homemade gyoza or um, different types of rolls. My sister and I weren't uh, really into a lot of the raw fish. And that wasn't really something you could buy. Mm. Uh readily in Abbotsford right. uh, in the 1990s, <laughs> so at least any broadfish fish that you would want to eat. And um, and so we would make a lot of uh, things like futomaki or um, what we call the chidashi sushi, which is kind of like a mixed assorted toppings with sushi rice. So learning to cook those types of things has been something that I've always done since I was a kid. And then when Christy and I moved in together, uh, she had no interest in cooking. So I said, oh, I'll take over this job in the, in the house and mm-hmm cook uh dinners and make lunches for work and school and stuff and and that interest really snowballed into um uh food becoming a hobby and cooking becoming a, becoming a hobby and it it really it really sort of grew from that
0: where um have you traveled much and where would you say is probably the fair your favorite place to go just for the cuisine? You no,
1: know, and I haven't traveled a lot especially relative to to my wife um uh i I would love to travel more we've taken some trips together uh to um london and france Uh, we were in paris for a little while and toulouse for a little while so really in that trip learning about regional cooking and learning about how um in these small villages in, in in france they are producing one ingredient and it might be prunes for example so every restaurant you go to in this area, has prunes. prunes on the menu. It's like <laughs> really? a, a prune dessert, but also prunes incorporated into the entrees. It was it was crazy, and just seeing how how focused uh, different areas are. Um, did
0: the different did the dishes at least taste different, or were, was it just kind of like oh prunes again?
1: It gets pretty monotonous, absolutely. And and you appreciate the variety that we get here in Canada, especially in Vancouver where it's so multicultural. You can have Japanese food for lunch and Italian food for dinner, and the next day have something totally different. Right.
0: Hmm. So, and that was where? That was in in, France. France. Yeah, that was
1: uh, one of my first exposures. We've been to Central America, both to Costa Rica and Belize. Um, Experienced some good cultural cuisine there, but probably my most recent trip to Indonesia um, was the biggest eye-opener in terms of different types of cuisine and different types of cooking mm-hmm. in a different place.
0: What, what's kind of the ingredient in in Indonesia? that hmm.
1: they... Well, I'm not going to uh, profess to be an uh, expert in Indonesian cooking, mm-hmm. but we did take a cooking class there yeah. at uh, at the place that we were staying in, and um, it was fantastic, really, really, um, you know, from scratch preparations of everything. So one of the mm-hmm. things that, for example, we learned to make, which is a very versatile uh, sauce that you would include that you would serve with with anything from grilled meat to incorporating into uh, a traditional uh, Indonesian fried rice called nasi goreng, mm-hmm. um, is sambal. And sambal uh, is, I you know we could we could find out what the translation means, but I would imagine it means like it's kind of a spicy sauce. Sure. And so you take uh, ingredients like garlic. And chilies, and tomato, and um, shrimp paste. Sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. they use fish sauce. Uh, other aromatics. Salt. Yeah, salt. Got <laughs> to have some salt always. But other aromatics like either lime leaves or lime juice or um, lemongrass. Yeah. And basically, it's either cooked and then it's ground down with a mortar and pestle. And you know, this is something that we actually did during the class. So you got to see how everything got put together, nice. um, as opposed to them just having it done ahead of time and then you just use it. So learning to make sambal was a very cool experience from real Indonesian chefs, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and so I think that the biggest thing I learned about Indonesian cooking is the, the 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 complexity that goes into those base flavors like sambal, which would normally be something you would just buy from the store.
0: Right. Is, so. Um, it would. It's like a huge class. Like, like how many people were in your class? Four four people yeah that's pretty cool and there
1: were four staff I mean it was a very hands-on, hands-on oh, really? thing nice. I think it was just because the particular day that we wanted to do this class it was part of the the hotel that we were staying at um, they just didn't have a lot of people signing up right, um, right. but uh, it was and, awesome. oh it's
0: way better when there's like nobody in the class and you're like learning pretty much firsthand yeah. have you been to Japan
1: never have no it's on my list <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say
0: um, what about Thailand? Even thailand no
1: the only i've been to two other places in asia um uh taipei taipei for a few days on on my leg into um indonesia and then i was in hong kong about um 15 years ago
0: would you eat in taipei
1: i had i was on a mission uh to find taipei's best beef noodle soup mm-hmm. have you ever heard of beef noodle soup or had yep, it here yeah yeah taiwanese style um there's a couple of places in Vancouver that I really like. One of them is called Chef Hung. And mm-hmm. We have a few locations, one in Richmond, UBC. Yep. There's one in West Van too now, actually. Oh, okay. And what makes a great Taiwanese beef noodle soup is is like a good complex broth with good beef flavor um, and lots of other aromatics. Um, mm-hmm. It's different than Vietnamese yep. noodle soups. Yep, yep. It's different than Chinese, Chinese flavors as well. Um, you also have what's typically like the beef is typically beef shank so it's yeah. really slowly braised and it's served in like slices but it's very tender and right. then noodles noodles should be like wide and chewy and kind of really um uh you know not not just sort of a background it should be like a big part of the right. part of the meal
0: mm-hmm. um and then wait were would you say hong kong
1: uh hong kong as well yeah would you eat there that was a long time ago so it's kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just after high school <laughs> yeah. and you know just just having it was my first time traveling outside of north america mm. uh, at the time so being it just it was culture shock and it was yeah. different flavors and different smells when you're walking around the city so yeah yeah it's a cool experience
0: um where would you put um thai food on your like top list
1: yeah i love thai food definitely definitely one of my favorite things to eat. Yeah. Um I don't know as much about the the cooking, so I've learned some basic things. Yeah. Um in terms of flavors and and certainly because it's so popular, you can find a lot of really good Thai food uh, in in, yeah. in Vancouver restaurants and, and
0: it's actually pretty good cuz so like when we I went to Thailand with um with Kels and my sister and my brother-in-law and you know the we were there for like 2 weeks and we were like hey we we need to, well my brother-in-law really wanted to take a cooking class. And, uh, we were either going to, you know, try and find one and kind of get into there. But what ended up happening was, um, we ended up at this, um, this smaller resort and, uh, it was, there was like no one there. Like it was just off season, I guess, like nobody was there. And so we were, we were talking with the owner and, you know, I I guess he was just, uh, my brother-in-law was asking like, where's, where somebody I can I can go learn to cook, um, some like authentic Thai food, and he's just like my wife can show you, because <laughs> she would she ran the kitchen in at the resort, mm-hmm. and so it was a pretty cool experience because we were we weren't even staying at the resort, we, the reason we ended up there was because they have like a pond where you could go like full on fishing and stuff, and my sister and brother in law are totally into fishing and stuff, so we went there ended up talking with the owner and stuff. And so he's just like, yeah, my wife can teach you. And so it it was pretty unreal because he, uh, they brought out their menu, like for the restaurant part of the, of the resort. And he's just like, pick three dishes. Right. And so we picked three that we, we liked. I think one was like Tom yum, uh, probably a pad Thai and then some other dish. And so he's like, okay. And, so the owner and my brother-in-law go off on a scooter, like to the nearest market to pick up everything that they needed. Cause they, that's pretty much what they do in Thailand. Anytime you go to any restaurant, well, smaller restaurant, like they don't have anything on hand <laughs> because it just would rot. Right. Like it's just pointless cause it just really depends on how many people are there. And, um, so they normally go and pretty much go and buy the stuff right when you order it right like i don't know how many restaurants we went to like smaller restaurants we went to when we were in thailand and you would have to wait just a little bit longer because every time you ordered you'd see some dude ride off on a on a on a tricycle or whatever or on a scooter and go somewhere and then come back with like a whole bunch of groceries and stuff right so it's actually pretty cool like knowing that it was fresh yeah <laughs> um so he went there they picked up stuff i ended up staying back with his wife and just kind of like started prepping like stuff that they actually had right and so it was pretty cool we were like we were in the back of the kitchen and his wife was just pretty much showing how to show us sh- pretty much showing us how to make those three dishes that we that we had and then we ended up eating them and it was just like holy shit <laughs> like that's how you make all that <laughs> cuz like we were eating like those dishes throughout our trip right? right and then now you're just like oh fuck that's what it takes to to get that taste for everyone that, oh, every dish that we made, right? So
1: it was more work than you thought? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. Yeah. Well, even with, like, the, the pad Thai paste, mm-hmm. like, I, there's, like, fucking 30 ingredients in that shit. Right. And it's not something that they make, like, um to order. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, a paste that you would make prior. Right. Um, Which I've tried, like, if you try to buy that here, like, even at, like, whatever Asian restaurant, mm-hmm. like, it's not the fucking same. Mm-hmm because um, it's usually been like in a bottle or a fucking can for like for how long mm-hmm. i think with when we were there they made it like once a week or something like that so it's like it's still pretty fresh so there was definitely a different taste from like a pad thai there than compared to here because it was just so so much more fresh like nobody's making that shit like once a week here <laughs> so unless i like, i don't know if you're like a busy restaurant probably but um but yeah, like there, it's just so much different, just so much better. Yeah. Um. Um. Th- There's some pretty good Thai restaurants, I would say here, that are that can pretty you know hold their own compared mm-hmm. to like actual Thai. Um. Like which ones? Um, it, pretty much everyone that I've been to, um, has had like a, a dish that was pretty bang on. Right. And then there's just, like, the one that's, just, like, not at all. But, like, there's definitely some that were like, every restaurant I've been here in Vancouver has always had, like, one dish that was just bang on that, like, could really compare it to authentic. Um,
1: but, yeah. For me personally, like, I find that it's very hard to find really bad Thai food. You can go to a food court in the yeah. mall and have, like, oh, it's, like, decent. Like, yeah. it's a coconut curry. It tastes, yeah. like, yeah. you know, most of the way there. Um certain dishes like pad thai like you mentioned you can definitely find a bad one uh, yeah. now and then. And a lot of places actually use ketchup as like the primary ingredient yeah. in in the pad thai, whereas authentically it should be it should they should use tamarind yeah. paste, yeah. which is a totally different flavor. The only common commonality is that they're both red.
0: Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and well it's just that sweet, yeah. Um yeah. we had um there's like um in Bangkok there's uh Kosan Road. Just like kind of like a I don't know, it's like a robson type type deal there and you would come across these just food carts mm-hmm. where they would serve pad th- they were basically pad thai carts where they that's all they cooked at them but it was funny because they just have these carts out in the sun out in the hot weather with this raw chicken raw meat just sitting there and you know everyone else with like, you should probably shouldn't eat that like it's been sitting out like i don't care like i want to try it <laughs> and it was fine like i didn't get sick but um it is it kind of weird that like they don't really care well i don't know i mean the food carts yes mm-hmm. like no there was no refrigeration or anything like that on the carts like it was just raw meat sitting right there mm-hmm. in the whatever hot ass weather in thai thailand and uh and people were eating it and yeah. they are fine yeah. <laughs> like But, and it was pretty good too. Like it wasn't the same as the ones like that were probably like in the restaurant Mm -hmm. and were refrigerated, but, um, it was still good. Like I would say,
1: I think it makes you realize how paranoid we are in North America about food safety. Yeah. Like I'm sure that there are some people who get sick because of the types of bacteria or, or whatever can happen when, when things are left out. But, um, we're, we're kind of, raised in our north american culture to think like if you do that you will automatically get sick yeah it's not necessarily the case
0: yeah i think a lot of it's in our heads too (laughs) um i was gonna actually you mentioned ketchup what do you think about ketchup i love ketchup yeah
1: i've always loved ketchup ever (laughs) since i was a kid (laughs) um i used to eat ketchup on the typical things like potatoes and you know like a lot of kids love ketchup because it's sweet and it's like it's always it's always in the house but i used to put ketchup on eggs which some people do and some yeah, people think is weird. i do that but Hot we used sauce, to put ketchup, ketchup, ketchup on french toast we used to make like french toast sandwiches with ketchup on ketchup it. on a french toast yeah because wow. french toast is nothing more than eggs and bread if you don't put any cinnamon and other sorts of oh bread. so
0: like no syrup or anything on it no. just ketchup. well that's your sweet yeah. aspect to it exactly instead of putting in, that just makes make sense. like
1: a ketchup sandwich with two pieces of french toast try it sometimes <laughs>
0: ketchup on french toast yeah never even thought i I put my i put ketchup on rice okay so i don't know if that's like a well i don't even think that's a filipino thing but like usually the typical filipino thing is you eat meat yeah with rice (laughs) and then you know your random vegetables here and there but um you know if it was like a dry type of meat yeah like i would just and filipinos eat everything with rice. So it's like your meat was always next to or at least on top of your rice. Yeah. So I would just cover it in ketchup. Like if it was like a dry shitty meat, mm-hmm. <laughs> like can you just eat? And then, you know, you're like, I don't know, with like, uh, with rice. Okay, we have to talk about this for a sec. <laughs> Butter on rice and oh, yeah. fucking people that put straight up soy on their fucking no, rice. No, okay. Fuck no, off.
1: <laughs> no soy on rice. Like, <laughs> this is the worst. Uh, I, I still like, cringe when i see people do that and i get that a lot of people like it and they they like to have that extra saltiness for me the rice needs to be kind of like the the relief from whatever else yeah are like a palate cleanser a type palate thing. cleanser exactly yeah. it's like how how white people use bread you know, yeah. like a bread and butter on the side. And then you have my rice on the side. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to work. But um, you know what? I, I will change your mind about butter on rice. There are certain applications where I, you can really. There's no doubt. Like
0: I, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But I think it's just weird. Like I can, I get it. Yeah. Like it tastes good because it's butter. You put yeah. butter pretty much on anything and it tastes good. But I, I don't think rice needs it.
1: <laughs> See, your ketchup on rice is a little bit weird to me. Because I think, I think that might be part of your Filipino kind yeah. of. Yeah. Kind of, like, tell me about. it. Can you please explain? I don't really think it's a Filipino thing. But maybe, maybe it's just but, me. <laughs> but explain to me Filipino spaghetti because that just tastes like ketchup. Ketchup. Yeah.
0: Well, because they use ketchup, <laughs> right? Um. Right. Or and they'll, they'll throw hot dogs in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's the protein and their yeah. and their spaghetti. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually. I'm. I'm not a huge fan of Filipino food at all.
1: Well, we talked about this before, right? I think this was maybe last year. You were. We got into a conversation about Filipino food. Not a fan, and um, that's see. I hear that, and I want to change your mind about that. And I I don't know anything.
0: Wait, wait, wait! wait. I love my mom's cooking. Like, don't get me wrong. You're
1: you're gonna get in trouble.
0: Well, no, it's not even. I'm not even trying to suck up here. Like, like she knows the the Filipino dishes that I like. Yeah. She cooks them when she knows (laughs) I'm coming over, and it's delicious. Right. But like, when I go to the Philippines, I fucking hate eating there. Right. And it's even if it's like the dishes even if like a restaurant could cook it the same way my mom does when I'm there and I eat it there, it just doesn't do it for me. Like I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Cause like usually when I eat it here, I will not have eaten say adobo for a month. And then I go to my parents' house and my mom cooks adobo. It's fucking delicious. Cause mm-hmm. I haven't had it forever. And mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite Filipino dishes. Yeah. Like there you're eating adobo once a week. And you're just like this is fucking gross. Like you're just so used to it, and it's just, it's I don't know. There's nothing, and there's only so many dishes in the like in the Filipino culture that I like. That like there's maybe like three or four. Mm-hmm. The rest are just it's. I kind of I don't I'm trying to exp, figure out how to explain Filipino food.
1: Does she make uh, caldereta?
0: I've never even heard of that. No, no. Okay.
1: that's one of the ones that I've I've learned from a Filipino friend of mine. Yeah, and uh, he taught me how to make lumpia. Yeah, and lumpia uh, I'll eat.
0: Yeah, I'll eat that all day. Oh
1: man, everybody loves lumpia. That's yeah, you, you can't eat go wrong with that. Yeah, but just like these stew dishes and and different different flavors. One restaurant um, in Vancouver that is doing a really um, interesting thing with Filipino food is called Bow Down Snack Bar. Mm-hmm. Have you been? Where's there? Where is that? It's in know. Gastown. Okay. Well it opened up about a year ago and you I know you've been busy with the new baby and all that, right? But, <laughs> I don't uh, know. but you gotta go downtown once this yeah. year. <laughs> and I just drove through and didn't stop. Yeah. Um, but Bowdown Snack Bar is is part of the Bowdown group and they've got a couple of restaurants. One's their original location in Gastown, they serve the steam bows. Mm-hmm. And they have another one called Bowdown Gastro Pub in the Olympic Village. Yeah. And they actually just opened one in San Francisco too. I'm not a shareholder and bow down snack (laughs) i just i'm i'm really a huge fan of like how they're modernizing filipino food because i've been to a couple of filipino restaurants uh with a with um some friends or i'm trying to learn more about that cuisine because that's just that's just what interests me it's just yeah new cuisine Mm -hmm. tell me how it's supposed to taste what do you like about it right Right. so I, i love conversations like that but these guys are doing it in a way that's that's very um western friendly like i think that a lot of people would be eating filipino food for the first time without even really knowing it yeah and um different flavors very very subtle differences but the presentation is kind of more modern yeah and it's delicious you should definitely get there
0: um filipino food like um is not appetizing Well, oh, sorry not appetizing. uh what am i trying to say when you look at it the fuck is the word i'm trying to find appealing uh, yeah visually? Appealing, visually appealing yeah like most filipino food yeah. it's like like i don't know if you heard of denagohan it's like you use the the blood from a pig okay like it's like a stew yeah so instead yeah. of i guess like um like water or like um like you know like boiling beef or anything like that you're actually using like the blood as your actual liquid okay and as a kid, like, parents would just be like, oh, it's chocolate meat. Fuck off. <laughs> and then you don't find out until later, like, you're older, like, oh, wow, we're eating pig's blood. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. But that's how they would get you to eat it. They would yeah. call it chocolate. Well, so, like, when you cook it, it's, like, it ends up being, like, this brown chocolate-looking mm-hmm. color. But, you know, you got, your like, your bits of, like, uh, pig fat and, like, just meat and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, like, in this brown, like, liquid they used to call it chocolate meat. They yeah. just don't realize that you're eating fucking pigs' blood.
1: <laughs> well, blood is is something used in lots of uh, different types of cuisines. Right? Yeah, like um, blood sausage. Yeah, um, like the Vietnamese uh, uh, bun bo hoi, where they use that. They're kind of like a gelatinous block of blood is yeah. often served in, in yeah. that dish. And I like some people like it. Like some people like the taste of blood, and some people just. Think it's
0: disgusting it doesn't like with with Denigo on it does i'm totally that was so white then on <laughs> <laughs> you have to say with that i can't even say with an accent but anyway uh it doesn't taste like blood yeah i can't even really think of what it tastes like it's because it they cook mostly, it so long yeah, yeah yeah i mean it just ends up being salty yeah. a lot of filipino foods fucking salty i would mm-hmm. have to say mm-hmm. um i mean they eat a lot of fish um and they mostly just fry the shit out of it mm-hmm. and then, that's kind of what they eat. But like most of the other dishes are, like, uh, vinegary and salty kind yeah. of thing.
1: Like when I think Filipino food, I think, uh, fatty pork. Yeah. I think like crispy yeah. pork belly. Yeah.
0: Um, like oh, fucking love lichon like just yeah. straight up. Yeah. Uh, how, how do they, I guess it's the same as like um. How does the the wines do it with the pig, and they just yeah. and roast it, roasted pig? It's basically what lichun is, right? Um,
1: and then what's the sisig? Is that like like chopped up into fine pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And you, I don't think it's it's cooked differently though. I don't think it's like yeah. straight up roasted. I think right. I think they I think they cut it up and then maybe just fry it. Mm-hmm. I think, but.
1: You know, one of the most memorable uh, Filipino meals I had is at this um, place on Broadway in Maine that um, is not open anymore. It's called Josephine's. And you'd like this because you go into to Josephine's. Hang on. No. Jamie's. Josephine's is still there. It's on Main Street. And then Jamie's is just around the corner on Broadway. Yeah. And you go into Jamie's, and what attracted me to this place initially is that they had karaoke screens everywhere. and <laughs> the, And when you went to perform... Maybe it was because of their license. <laughs> you have to sit at your
2: table. What?
1: Yeah. While you're singing. Yeah, while you're singing, right? While so you're you, eating. There's there's screens everywhere <laughs> and they just hand you a microphone <laughs> at your table and you just sit there and sing.
0: This is still there? No, no. Oh, Fuck oh, I'd love know. to go to that.
1: It was so much fun. And like we would go in there and I didn't know anything about Filipino food at the time and and, and I was like, oh, crispy pork hawk, right? So they send that. they give you like a whole basically like everything from hoof to kneecap right and it's yeah. and it's like the shank and they've braised it and then they fry it and you eat it with hot sauce and it's so delicious yeah well plus karaoke you fucking can't pork. Wrong, right?
0: <laughs> karaoke <laughs> and pork yeah um do you like pork rinds
1: yes i've made them myself aka chicharron chicharron yeah uh,
0: fucking love that shit
1: i actually um tried to serve this as part of a kind of a fancy brunch uh, party I threw last year, yeah, because I was at my butcher on Main Street called Windsor Meats, and um, they had they were selling skin, and I'm like 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 it was in the butcher case, and it was kind of folded up like this, and there were like whole hides of skin. I'm like that's interesting, like like didn't raw. Think that would be a bi- oh yeah like yeah. raw like yeah, whole hides of skin, and uh, I was like why are they selling that? And they're like oh it's Berkshire pork skin, so it's like the the best pork, right? It's this hmm. breed from okay. from England, and it, they're the best, right? <laughs> the best pigs, the best pigs, <laughs> I guess. The, they're like the the, the Kobe of <laughs> pigs, right? Berkshire pork. um Actually, Berkshire pork, a bit of a side note, is what they use in the. um No, I was going to say that's what they use in Japa dogs, but it's a different different Japanese thing they use over there. Yeah. Anyway, got this pork skin, and I'm like, what do I do with this?
2: Because I, I didn't know so what I was going to do up. with it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I started looking at uh, uh, recipes online. And I and I found this uh, preparation for chicharron where, like, basically you have to take the whole. And you, one of the things you have to do is you have to pull out all the little extra hairs because yeah. otherwise it's going to be in there. Right? Yeah. So I wanted it to be really clean. And that's a lot of work. It was I took a pair of tweezers. Yeah. Right? My wife's tweezers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't tell her that <laughs> your tweezers <laughs> shut up yeah and i'm and i'm uh pulling out this this pig hair from this from this fresh skin right yeah and um and then what you do is you boil it for a long time and uh probably about an hour so yeah. just cooking it down and taking off a lot of the fatty bits and and, and whatnot and then you have to dry it and so unless you have like a food dehydrator, you can also do that by just taking, uh, by laying it out like on a sheet yeah. and putting it in your fridge and it'll just kind of like naturally dehydrate over a couple of days. Right. And then you cut it into little pieces once it's like hard as plastic and then you have to deep fry it. So there's a lot of steps involved yeah. with this, with this, uh, little thing that ends up looking <laughs> like, cause people true. look at it like people who don't know what it is and, um, they asked what it is and and i said oh it's crispy pork just try it right and everybody loves it because you kind of season it a little bit and i think i put some like chili powder but um but it looks like styrofoam right like like, yeah and it's amazing and like the coolest part of this and this is the reason why i wanted to do it is because you take this tiny little dehydrated piece of pork skin probably about the size of a a stick of gum yeah like that and you throw it in the hot oil and it puffs up like popcorn because it's it's like I don't know. It's like porous. And then, and then all the little bits of water inside, like expand and force it open. It's kind of like what happens to popcorn when it pops. It's amazing to watch happen.
0: (laughs) Fuck. I got to make my own kitchen. Did you season it too? Or do you just straight up? At the uh, end. Just like once again, like
1: popcorn at the end, like it's nothing seasoned as you go. And then at the end you can sprinkle some salt or even some different spices and whatnot. That's when you want to do it.
0: What were we talking about? Chicharron, <laughs> chicharron, Chicharun Uh Let's talk about pickles Alright Do you like pickles? Yeah
1: I got stuff pickling in my fridge right now Nice I don't, uh, I'm a quick pickle guy Do you know the difference? No So you When doing... most people pickle yeah. things They go through the whole process of sterilizing jars And then You know Putting it in And then boiling it It's kind of like a cooked This is like typical pickles Yeah Um you can do a quick pickle which is essentially just taking anything whether it be onions or sliced cucumbers or vegetables i did some i have some in my fridge right now some zucchini some zucchini and like zucchini squash um yellow zucchini squash where it's just sitting in the vinegar but you have to eat it It doesn't preserve it for a long time you have to eat it within a week or so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so do you just put it in put it in straight up vinegar or do you put anything else in
1: you need some sugar and salt for flavor oh i didn't know
0: that you need to put sugar in there oh yeah i would have figured salt sure but Mm -hmm. you know you put sugar in there
1: yeah i mean you could you could probably dial back the sugar if you really wanted to and just have it really tart but it's better with sugar
0: is that how you typically do a pickle like a regular like cucumber do you put sugar in there i'm not
1: sure um i would guess yes at least a little bit of sugar and then uh, you know people would add things like dill and mustard seeds and other stuff like that
0: did you always like pickles or anything pickled? Or was that something you had to grow into? <laughs> um, I just know people that didn't like pickles growing up. Yeah. And you're just like, what? So fucking good.
1: Yeah. No, I, I've i always loved pickles as long as I can remember. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just such a nice compliment to things that are either fatty or, you know, rich, right? Yeah. It just cuts it. And that's one of the other things, too, uh, that I always find very hilarious about the way that you know a lot of food people call it chefs or you know whatever they'll be like oh you know this sour thing whether it be a pickle or, or whatever um really helps you to eat more of the fatty pork <laughs> that's that's what we kind yeah. of kind of uh, uh, that's the function of it right is to help you eat more fat yeah uh which is just so funny <laughs>
0: um i I'm kind of picky with my pickles, though have you ever had the like um I don't know, there's like just the ones that don't taste like pickles <laughs> most of the most of the ones that um like they're cut like um this, what do you call them the zigzag cut pickles crinkle cut yeah like have you and those always for me they're don't sweet. taste like- yeah, I don't like those are that called bread and butter pickles, why do they do that I don't because... like it.
1: Because I think uh, I think actually they probably make that for kids, because yeah. it's sweeter. It's not sour dill. See, you're like you're you seem I'm like you're sour dill you're a sour yeah. yeah you're very yeah. sour. <laughs> <laughs> you're um you, you know like like that's that's that one type of pickle. But bread and butter pickles are a whole other genre of pickle. And I remember eating oh. those as a kid. Yeah, I hate them. And it. they're super sweet.
0: Are you allergic to anything? <laughs> you don't have to say because. Somebody might poison you if you're allergic to anything. <laughs> that would suck, though. I um, my my one of my cousins is allergic to sea or shellfish. Yeah. God, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, he could he could probably eat them, but he'd probably have to like put a needle in himself right after. But I am not
1: allergic to anything that I know of yet. But uh, my wife is allergic to shellfish shells, and we learned that the hard way.
0: Well what, what does that mean though like that she can eat that, the inside that means but... that
1: you can eat shrimp that's been peeled for you. What? It's a very it's a very bourgeois But it uh, touches allergy. it. <laughs> I know. How does I that know. make any sense? Well apparently, I mean, um when she's done the research on this that that uh you can have an allergy just to the shells. So wow. her mother is and aunt apparently are allergic to shellfish. So it was always very uh, uh we we wondered when we first sort you know, um, dating and, and eating and stuff whether or not she was allergic to shellfish she had never had shellfish before That's insane. so we kind of introduced some shrimp and things and yeah. she was fine with it and then one year I got really creative in the kitchen and I decided to um, make a stock from um, spot prawn shells because yep. we had spot prawns and I peeled them and instead of throwing away the shells I'm like oh, I'm going to use these for a stock and I'm yep. going to make a risotto out of it mm-hmm. and I didn't even tell her um, what it was Right. I just served it to her and um, she ate it. And within the first couple of bites, she, her neck and face started to swell up Shit. like this. And, um, and you knew she was
0: allergic? No. Oh, OK. I no.
1: Saying, I thought you were just that's how we found out. <laughs> no, no. That's how we found out. We, <laughs> is she faking? <laughs> I'm going to give her some. Like I knew actually <laughs> in the back of my mind. I thought like, well, if I told her this is what it's made of, she might be kind of like yeah. hesitant to it. Sure. But I'm like, no, just try it. Right. I wanted to try yeah. something new and uh yeah she legitimately started to like visibly swell Fuck. up and um luckily you know it wasn't anything super serious and she didn't have to go to the hospital or whatever but she stopped eating it yeah and um and so from that point forward we've confirmed she's allergic to shellfish shells wow and she can eat other shellfish she can eat I don't, that like, is
0: so weird that you can eat the whole inside and stuff just can't touch the shell
1: so when we order sushi and we yeah. get a dynamite roll she yeah. eats the nice middle pieces and i eat that piece at the end with the shell sticking out the tail
0: (laughs) Uh, so uh, i was actually gonna say i think you just got suckered into peeling all her shit
1: (laughs) that's that's a theory that exists Uh.
0: (laughs) so she can do like like crab and all that stuff just can't fucking deal with the shell
1: yeah and when we were in indonesia um one of the things that we realized because of how it's how it's made is, is shrimp paste. So they take the little yeah. baby shrimp and they kind of just grind it up and it's got right. the shells in there and that's yeah. what gives it a good flavor. But um, we avoided that uh, for her sake and um, I think actually we've tried to introduce it a little bit here and there and it doesn't seem to have a reaction. So I don't know. I mean, it's not something you really want to want to risk Yeah. oftentimes because it could be uh, very dangerous. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, you know, people's tolerance has changed over time. So mm-hmm. she might be able to to do it now. Who knows?
0: I that would suck. <laughs> like I love shellfish type foods like mm-hmm. so much, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like I um, where is that? Is the River Rock Casino? They have mm-hmm. like their their buffet there. Yeah, I go just to eat full on shrimp. Like I don't <laughs> touch anything else. Like I just <laughs> fill my plate with fucking shrimp. I don't even bother with the crab that they have there. It's just all shrimp. Um
1: you know when you you know when you get a really good prawn cocktail? mm -hmm. Like not just with like the little shrimp they'd have at the River Rock buffet. Okay, let's talk about the (laughs) spectrum of shrimp quality for a second, okay? You know when you get around holiday time, people will bring those shrimp cocktails that you get at like Costco and they're like the circles the circles. Yeah, Yeah. And you pick up this like limp, like soggy little piece of shrimp that's so nasty soggy
0: or still frozen
1: Ugh, it's usually still frozen <laughs> it's actually better if it's still frozen. It is. yeah than if it's like warm and soggy and it's just like the worst yeah. shrimp i don't even know where they find these things yeah. they're all exactly the same yeah right? yeah but then you compare that to like at the other end of the spectrum when like i can think of a couple of shrimp cocktails like kind of old school places like the keg still do a good shrimp cocktail big yeah. jumbo you know tiger prawns yeah. Um, I can think of one at uh, I've had at the Vancouver Club at an event. And mm-hmm. I remember think like it was kind of an event so it's all you can eat prawn cocktail stuff. Yeah. My goodness. Like <laughs> these things are the size of small lobsters, right? Yeah. And and at a good like cocktail sauce, which is essentially just ketchup, once yeah. again. Ketchup yeah. is great. Yeah. And horseradish, right? Ketchup, horseradish, maybe lemon juice. Yeah. That's a deadly combination. That's one of my favorite things too.
0: Where are you with oysters? Do you like oysters? Like raw oysters?
1: Oh, I have a very uh have a very complicated relationship with oysters <laughs> How, do you really want to get into it yeah because
0: okay. I, I don't i don't like them i like them deep fried and interesting i i can't i, I can do them raw but they're not my favorite like, See, i don't I, like uh, them
1: deep fried i don't know i've just I've, I've tried it before i don't really understand like the the sort of
0: sometimes they're kind of I, I think it just depends on who deep fries it too because yeah. sometimes i like i have had a deep fried oyster and it tastes fucking weird yeah but like sometimes it's just fucking glorious because it's deep fried but um i don't know if maybe it's just because somebody deep fried a bad oyster yeah, and that's why i have could be true but uh when it's a good eating... one i think anything deep fried's pretty much fucking good to go yeah <laughs> so. yeah
1: I, mean, I may not be there yet but definitely oysters were an acquired taste for me and it was yeah. one of those things where you know i had a raw oyster in my early 20s and i was thinking like oh, i don't know if i really like this i don't under, i didn't understand yeah. what it was supposed to taste like and it's kind of like you you're told to kind of just slurp it and maybe just like bite swallow it and then swallow it, it. Yeah, and you, it kind of sounds you like taste really taste it once and then you yeah swallow it, it like... sounds it sounds like a lot of <laughs> yeah. uh effort and
0: i i find it to be like um like you know when you have kind of bad fish mm-hmm. and you get that, that the fishy taste sure I find that it's like, um, it's borderline fishy taste and not tasting like anything. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like a good oyster is supposed to taste like. Like you get the fishy taste, but not enough to make you f- like feel gross or like taste that fishiness Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. And it, I, I kind of get it. Like, it's like, oh, it's like a good fishy taste. Yeah. And then you just, but you can't get too much of it. Like you just chew it once and then you're done with it, right? Because so, you get too much of it. It's so just too
1: much. So let's talk about like, like the difference between fishy taste. Okay. And brininess. Because brininess is like the ocean. It's like the taste of the ocean. Right. And when you get a good oyster, and this is something that I've both been told and I've experienced personally, when you get a good oyster. Yeah. It doesn't taste fishy. Because fishy. is like, no, yeah. It's nasty. Stinky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but brininess is a little bit like, it's like a little bit of seawater and yeah. it is pleasant yeah. and it's, there's a freshness to the oyster. So, I, f- I found once I started getting into oysters, and I remember it very distinctly it was an it was an event I was at where they had an oyster bar, and I was kind of yeah. bored and I was thinking, oh, I'm just gonna go stand over here and try and oysters again. Oysters. Why not <laughs> right? I don't like these that much, yeah. but they're free yeah. and <laughs> and oysters it cost a lot of money, so I might as well stand here and try that <laughs> well, I'm trying the different condiments and I love things like this like the mignonette, which is like a vinegary kind of yeah. shallot sort of flavor thing like like a that vinegagri nice. straight up lemon. Straight up lemon, Tabasco sauce is also a really nice condiment. Right. Horse, freshly grated horseradish, mm-hmm. cocktail sauce, all those things, yeah. or in combination with each other, can can really kind of enhance your oyster experience. Yeah. And I try, to, and I and I remember after probably about my like fiftieth oyster, I'm thinking, <laughs> I really like these things. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of my my palate was changing, and ever since that time, I'm an oyster guy. So I love like we had a a place near our, our our um our house on Main Street. Called the fish counter, mm-hmm. and you can go to the fish counter, and you can you can order um, a fish taco or fish and chips or whatever at their uh, bistro on the side, or you can get um, fresh seafood from their deli counter. And one of the things they'll do too is they'll sell you oysters, but they'll also serve you shucked oysters in the place. So I'll like kind of buy some seafood and I'll get like half a dozen shucked oysters. And that's yeah. just kind of a little thing I do for myself <laughs> before I cook a big meal. Um, so I love that. And I love oysters with um, and like really nice crisp white wine or champagnes. That are a really nice um, complement to it too. So I've been really getting into oysters probably over the past five or six years. Yeah, But <laughs> last summer... I had such a horrible experience with um, one of the things that can happen with um, like oysters that you get, like, especially from the wild. Mm -hmm. So we were up in Desolation Sound. uh, My in-laws family have a place at Savory Island, took a boat up to Desolation Sound and they're very well known for their oysters um, there. And they just, they're everywhere. They're just like, you know, on the beach and everywhere. And I had no fear. I was just like, oh, I'll just, <laughs> just fight through it. Right. No problem. Yeah. And we were eating all kinds of fresh seafood that, that week. I mean, there was Dungeness crab that we were pulling up in traps and spot prawns and everything. Oh, so, good. And I ate hundreds of oysters. <laughs> like it could have been just one that, uh, has what's called the, the Virus or vibrio bacteria, and it was sure. something I had researched after the fact, because that is no joke. Yeah. And for a week, I was in serious trouble. Yeah, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, and, and like just it, the one well, could have just been the who one. Who knows? I mean, yeah.
1: I I had a bottle of hot sauce in my pocket and a and a, <laughs> and, a, and, a sh- and a shucking.
0: as you should and i was just walking around around i was
1: walking around like in desolation sound on the beach and i was like in heaven i'm just like picking oysters out of the ocean (laughs) and then you pop one open you have one you're like ooh, that was a little bit warm it's probably been sitting in the sun too Uh, long and all of a sudden like like and it it doesn't happen right away yeah this was the night before i remember it was the big oyster night that we we brought a whole bunch back to and it wasn't just me it was one other person who was eating a ton of oysters and it might have just been a couple of them that were that were you know off bad, and, yeah. and all of a sudden like your your week is ruined Fuck.
0: yeah i i don't know mine i don't i've never had that issue <laughs> with eating bad food i don't know if it's because i've just probably eaten bad food my entire life and i'm just used to it <laughs> but um i I've definitely lactose intolerant okay like no doubt like i have issues with fucking dairy Uh, which i feel like everybody probably does just not to the extent that i do um there is some research on that
1: yeah um i think uh what i recall from my reading this this book on food science Mm -hmm. um is that everybody in the world is to some degree lactose intolerant right some people highly lactose intolerant but there is a group that is um that they've studied so it's kind of like the Northern European, I want to say like Northern German sort of Denmark and Scandinavian people who for generations and generations yeah. have relied upon uh, cow's milk sure. for, um, you know, for survival. And so they ha they are not lactose intolerant at all, but, but literally everybody else in the world is. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this I guess is- this is the only thing like you, because like that's the only thing available <laughs> and you have to use it like yeah. I guess, but like most of us don't eat it regularly. You know, it's mostly uh, it's like a it's almost like a condiment for us, at times I think. Like when you most... were growing up, were you lactose intolerant? No. Well, I I don't know maybe <laughs> 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 I don't really remember, but um. Do
1: you remember like when you were a kid drinking milk out yeah. of the class? Yeah. yeah, I remember that too, and now that just seems like such a weird thing to do. Yeah,
0: I don't drink. I I take calcium pills. I don't fucking drink. Milk. yeah and it's also gross <laughs> unless you like skim looks like water but if you like drink anything other than that i find it to be gross like i don't want to drink you're drinking fat
1: i think your lactose intolerance is really skewing your your <laughs> opinion on this because one thing i will say is that like um you know obviously for people who aren't lactose intolerant things like cheese are amazing right oh like i'll eat
0: cheese but i just (laughs) it's not good night for me but like i love it like it's all dairy is good yeah like it's delicious i mean
1: can we talk about cream for a second because like heavy cream is one of those things that when you use it in cooking people will ask you they're like why does this taste so good i'm like because i didn't use milk i used 33 percent fat fat right (laughs) and uh, one of those dishes is, is this, uh, uh, uh potato, uh, French potato dish, yeah. uh, uh Dauphinoise. So it's basically just like flavored cream with yeah, potatoes. just kind of baked, yeah. <laughs> looks like scallop potatoes, same, sure. same sort of, same sort of idea. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so what I did, I made this last week for, for a dinner. Um, I took cream and I, and I, um, simmered it in a pot with garlic and bay leaf and black pepper and um thyme and sage leaves so kind of like really hearty sort of sort of things right yeah like it like whenever you cook with sage it always smells like christmas to me it's just like <laughs> yeah. that's the flavor oh, of yeah. the stuffing that's like and and that's why people love you know like fried sage with like butternut squash ravioli because yeah. it's just so warming and and it's just like having a hug it's it's very holiday totally very holiday and so you take that that cream and i slice these potatoes really thin um using a mandolin that's how i have the cut on my finger here still <laughs> healing
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> lots, yeah. lots of cooking injuries i've never
0: used one of those
1: oh they're the best yeah they I, are because i'm old
0: school i like to go straight up like everything with my knife
1: Try, try, you know, cooking for 40 and and tell me if it's still, if it's still fun being old. I don't want to cook for 40. (laughs) No, thanks. Yeah, no, but the mandolin saves you so much time and it just gives you that consistency. Yeah. So if you're, if you're cooking something that you really want that wow factor, I always like to have that, that level of, of, um of consistency and uniformity to the slices so like you serve this i stack these um you imagine like a bunch of poker chips in a a tray so that's how i assemble the potatoes and i just pour the cream over top of it and you bake it and it's literally one of the most delicious potato dishes you've ever had in your life now you couldn't have it because of your well no i can and i will (laughs) (laughs) but i probably shouldn't
0: yeah um so Kay, do you want to get in do you want to where do you want to take this I know you want to do, you want to do something with food, right? Like,
2: yeah, I'm, doing it. Life? Like, I'm doing it.
0: Like, do you want to try and do something with it? Like straight up, like full time.
1: I've had people ask me over the past few years, um, when are you going to open a restaurant? And I, and I always say like, I have no desire to open a restaurant. I know how difficult that is. Sure. I've volunteered in the, in a restaurant kitchen before. Um, it is a ton of work and there is no guarantee that you will be successful. Both. Um, in a financial sense, and also just in sort of a personal satisfaction sense. Sure. One of the things I love about cooking is being able to cook something different all the time. I love um, having it as a relief from my day job. Right. You know, so all of those things disappear when I make that a career. And um, and I just love doing what I'm doing now. Uh, while, like I I think that I've I've I kind of came up with this analogy recently when I was talking to somebody that like there's these kind of old-school notions of what success looks like in a certain field so like let's say for example you're a musician Mm -hmm. and you know you're like okay well if i'm going to be a successful musician i'm going to have number one albums i'm going to get play on the radio etc but like the world is changing right i mean people can be successful by being instagram stars Mm -hmm. and you can make a living online like you know all about showing your asshole
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> on among, instagram among other things there are people on instagram that show their fucking asses and they make money it's
1: ridiculous right so like so the world is changing right and and that's not the definition of success in that world mm-hmm. so why is having a restaurant the definition of success in in the food world right um and i know you didn't ask that but that's what a lot yeah, of people ask. Me. no sure definitely yeah
0: the way um kind of the way i see it though is like if well i i don't know with your day job if that's something like you love just as much or if it's something you could do away with or like the way i kind of look at it is if it, if i could be doing something that i love and make money doing it then one it's not really a job because you are you know everybody says it. it's like if you're doing something you love it's not really a job but you're making money off it like i would love to be making money off doing something I really love as opposed to just doing something, you know, that just kind of pays the bills and then doing what I really love, like on the side kind of thing, you know? Um, but no, like, no, I, I can see where you're coming from. Like my day job, like there are a lot of parts of it that I love doing. And I don't know if I could see giving some of that stuff up, but on the other hand, like fuck, if I can make money making videos and doing audio podcasts or whatever, like, Fuck that'd be cool, you know, too, like at the same time. I And you would leave your day job. Oh like yeah, that, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean there there's so many great parts to my day job too. Like I, I totally get it. Um but you know, if the money's right <laughs> and I you know, if I could if I could pay the bills doing what I love, like I yeah, I would definitely quit my day job, like straight up. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know if i feel the same way ab- about this particular thing and i think it mostly has to do with like you know what what is a what is a super lucrative career in food look like i mean you look at people on the food network and you look at people who start chains of restaurants i mean are they are they really working with food at that stage or are they just
0: They're entertaining. They're
1: entertaining. Yeah. Right. And I think that works for, you know, our diners drive ins and dives friend and
0: well I don't think you need to I don't think you need to do that. Like even when you like look at people who have like food trucks or whatever, right? Like they're just doing straight up food trucks, serving fresh food. Yeah. Paying their bills with what they're making and they're, you know, kinda doing what they're doing what they're doing and doing what they love kind of thing um
1: sure. and it, it's you know you have to respect what what they're doing because a lot of people in that world do it just for the love of the game yeah you know they're not trying to get rich they're they just love it doing so much they love. yeah that they will dedicate their life to that and i have a tremendous amount of respect for that yeah. i i that wouldn't be for me you know it would be honestly like uh, it would be too much of a grind yeah and it kinda makes you think like maybe I don't love it as much. Maybe I don't love it as, as much as somebody yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who does make that sure.
0: choice. No, yeah. Well that's what I think probably why where people would would have admit would be misunderstood would be like like you you might seem like you are super into something. Like like for me with like my my videography stuff or whatever, you know, like I'm I'm deep into that shit. Like I love doing this stuff. Like, it is fun. It's fun directing. Oh, fuck. Don't even get me started with directing. I fucking love directing. Because it's like... Unless... I've never worked with, like, a straight-up full-on actor, like, a professional actor. But, like, everybody that I've worked with so far is just, you know, amateur, never been in front of a camera before. So they listen to whatever the fuck you say. <laughs> it's fucking fun. And not, like, in a dictatorship type of way. Mm-hmm. But, like, like, it's fun where, like, I'll have a vision of something, right? Yeah. And I, I need to shoot a video, and I want it to look a certain way, and all that stuff. And and when you have somebody that just needs to be molded, and they'll, they'll listen to you, and you, they, they'll they trust you because you've done a, a little bit of this every now and then. And um, it's fun being able to... it It's kind of fucked up, but, yeah, it's kind of fun to tell people what to do
1: sure i get that
0: but it's only like because you want you have your vision of what you want right and you don't want it any other way because if it's not that way then it's Mm -hmm. just not going to be as good as you see it in your head yeah and um for people to actually well i mean it's still a very hard thing to do because like you you see it a certain way and you try to get somebody to do it and you tell them okay i want you to do it this way and they do it how they think you want it done. Mm-hmm. And they don't do it that way. So you end up doing another take. Yeah. Do it this way. Uh, you still didn't get it right. Do it this way. Okay, you're closer. Do it less of this, more of that. And then they get it straight on. But like that whole process of getting to that point of how you pictured it to begin with, it's just a fucking amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm totally falling in love with directing and stuff right now. Um, there's
1: an element of, of that, um, type of, I I guess, coaching in a way, but also that directive approach that you have to take, um, when you're working with other people in the kitchen. Yeah. It's not something I do a lot. I kind of like to have my cooking be like a solo thing. And if, even if it's a, if it's a big production I'm trying to put on, I'd rather like try to find a way to do it where I'm just like doing everything myself just kind of like, you know, I work in a very team oriented environment in the office and this is kind of like my time. Like I want to cook, I want to cut every single (laughs) onion myself. And so when you eat my food, it's like,
0: it's all mine.
1: But, but you know, a lot of times, like a lot of times, um, people want to help. Right. Yeah. People always love to kind of come to the dinner party and say, I'll be your sous chef. Right. I'm like, are you prepared? To um, deal with what that entails. Okay.
0: Can we can we do this one, one time? Can I be your sous chef one night?
1: Just you should let me let's, finish this story let's before, fucking mic you, ourselves. before you ask. Let's do that. This. No, no, I'm fucking down.
0: I am ready <laughs> yeah. to follow whatever the fuck you say. Because yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I fucking get it. I
1: think this is a visual thing too. I think I think you might need to mic and uh, and uh, record videotape. Oh, we should do it. Let's yeah. do this. Um because what i learned when i was um volunteering at bao bay restaurant Mm -hmm. uh, is the level of intensity that you need to have in order to make food both taste good and arrive on time and everything now this is something typical in most restaurants everything from like a a diner to like michelin star fine dining stuff right there's organization and logistics involved but with the way people cook at home is very different from that it's kind of like you know this this la-di-da kind of uh pace and you know kind of do things as as you go and kind of the meal's ready when it's ready well cooking at
0: home is more you're usually kind of doing everything yourself like you're doing every step yeah every station and then when you're working in a restaurant you're only kind of almost doing just one thing sure yeah
1: there's there's a bit of teamwork involved yeah and you know, the other thing that happens at home too is that most people take kind of shortcuts. They're like, Oh, I'll use a pre-made yeah. sauce or I'll yeah. do this. Or, you know, I won't worry sure. about how perfectly that's cut. And that's totally cool. Like yeah. for most people's day to day cooking and feeding their themselves and their families and whatnot. But like when I'm doing a, doing a meal, I have a very specific vision yeah. of how I want it to turn out and how I want everything done. And it even kind of gets down to the, um, assembly of certain things. Like I'll ask somebody to kind of like put something together, like add this to that. And, you know, I know from either past experience or just something that I've researched or whatever, it's like it needs to be done in a certain way. And you know, people don't do it that way. You know, like I'm very directive in the kitchen. So, yep. like, I will explain this is how I want you to do it. Watch me and I'll show you and then you do it this way. Right. And so I think that with a lot of people who have been my sous chef in the kitchen, they would describe that experience as as difficult, right? As like, as something that was a very intense environment, because it's also fun to, to kind of like amp it up a little bit more than it yeah. has to be <laughs> right? for kind of comedic effect. But, but at the, at the sort of base of all this is like a desire to have things turn out a certain way. And when people I've noticed that even like people who are kind of like aspiring cooks in their in, you know, themselves, or even people who know nothing about cooking. Okay. Yeah. Whenever they see the connection between the intensity of that process and the quality of the outcome, mm-hmm. they get it. I love that that realization people have. They're like, wow, this is really good. This is different than anything I've ever had before. Um, how did you get it to taste like this, right? And, you know, like it's always a trial and error process because I'm yeah. like... A, Like as my wife will attest, like a lot of the things I cook are just complete garbage, right? (laughs) I'm trying different things; it doesn't work, right? But you have to cook a lot in order to in order to um, you know, uh, figure that out. And when when I'm doing like a dinner party for people, I will very rarely do something I've never done before. Sure, but I also love to have things that are like the challenge of cooking something new. So there's kind of a bit of a balance there. It's usually just like a. Like a tweak of a recipe that I that I've done yeah. before, so I know like how it's supposed to turn out, and then all the steps working backwards from from the very beginning.
0: Do you find that like um like with certain ingredients, like they're very similar to other ingredients, so you just cook them and yeah. mix them the same way that you would that other ingredient that you're used to cooking?
1: Absolutely, there's like patterns, right? Yeah, and and you know one of the patterns with with preparation is is like you see it these similarities across different cuisines. Yeah. So you take like a, a technique that's used in one cuisine and you apply it in different cuisine and sure. it works out really well. Yeah. Um, because you can kind of see like, if you're following a recipe word for word, you're like, hmm, you stop at one, one part and you're like, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. Because yeah. I remember something from before where um, it turned out better a different mm-hmm. way. And one of the patterns you see all the time is this, like if you're making a stew, okay, or a sauce, or anything that has like meat and then and then it's kind of like cooked at a really high temperature. For example, if you're searing something and then you take that out and you add like onions and garlic and other things, mm-hmm. right? Like you use these very similar techniques in Indian cooking, in Italian cooking, yeah, in making Texas chili. Like it's it's this pattern you see develop and then you start and then you kind of like have this realization. You're like, huh, I can make anything. Using that technique. Sure. And yeah. that's one of those things about yeah. cooking that I just, I love.
0: Well, that's what a lot of people don't get about those shows like, um, what's that? Oh, fuck. What's that Food Network show where they give you a thing in the basket of random chopped. ingredients? Chopped. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? How the fuck did they do that? Well, Kate, okay, Their protein's the same <laughs> as chicken. Yeah. They're vegetables the same as whatever, you know, and you just fucking use those same principles with the, whatever you have in your basket, right? <clears throat> and like, how do they mix those things together? Well, yeah, it's pretty much the same shit as any other ingredient. Um, What is your take on mushrooms?
1: Ooh, Are you a mushroom guy? I
0: love mushrooms. It's good. I, um, I think it's one of those pickle things. Like, yeah, people like have to grow into mushrooms.
1: I, well, I don't know. I think it might be I think it might be different from pickles in the sense that you could get more people to come around to pickles. Whereas mushrooms for a lot of people I know is such a mental block. Because it's a fungus. Because it's a fungus. Yeah. And because just the idea of a mushroom is so repulsive to them that they will never try it. I, in... I, I know I can think of four people right now in my life. <laughs> Who, fucking if we, mushroom. they fucking hate them and <laughs> they will never try anything that has mushrooms in it. If I try to sneak mushrooms <laughs> into something, which I do a lot. Can even
0: mushroom soup? Like, come on.
1: No. No. Not, really? Yeah. It's wow. the whole, it's the whole idea. You know, you know, actually the, one of the sneakiest ways to get mushrooms into something. It's a little trick. Uh, Is using dried mushrooms. Period. the shit out of it. No. Nah, <laughs> yeah. You could probably puree it. But using dried mushrooms and actually turning it into a powder. You can take like mm. porcini. Yeah. Dried porcini grind it into a powder and then like put it on the outside of a steak and cook it and what happens is yeah that dried mushroom kind of yeah. like comes in it becomes forms a crust and yeah. it adds that level of earthiness and like de- yeah. depth of flavor mushrooms are an amazing ingredient and they're so diverse they're
0: fucking good i don't know what the fuck's wrong with people i don't think they should be in the fungus category i mean yeah sure they are but like what other fungus do we eat is, like is there any other <laughs> ingredient that's fungus based that we eat other than mushrooms cause it, <laughs> there isn't <laughs> so why the fuck is a, a fungus like I, I get it I get why it's a fungus but yeah. I, in, in the food world like I don't think it should be called a fungus a,
1: a lot of these things that you'd see if you were walking around the forest and you'd look at it kind of like growing in like a damp spot somewhere you'd be like that's gross right <laughs> But if it's served, if it's served to Is it going to get me high? I'll
0: fucking eat it. I don't care. <laughs> I've eaten mushrooms that get you high. Like It's the same shit. But you know what? I'm, um, I bet you there's people that won't even eat edible mushrooms, but will take fucking mushrooms that make you hallucinate. Uh, probably. Which is fucking bullshit. <laughs> 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 fucking eat regular mushrooms, yeah. assholes. <laughs> hypocrites. Um, uh, Balot throw that one out there i don't know what that is balut like fucking filipino cuisine uh undeveloped bird fetus oh, okay would you try it
1: would i try it like
0: you know what it is it tastes like hard-boiled egg but like the whole fucking birds in there do
1: they cook it i've never had it before obviously but... uh, they,
0: yeah they it's cooked like yeah. it's, it's a hard-boiled like chicken yeah <laughs> so it's like it's it's about to be born but yeah. no you, they cook the shit out of it before you do it so it's mm-hmm. like you don't like eat the bird so like no? I mean some people do which is fucking gross yeah Um, but usually like there's all like the insides in it which tastes like fucking hard boiled egg you just the whole thing with Ballot is you have to kind of just get past it, the fact there's a fucking bird in there mm-hmm. so it's like eating a hard boiled egg but with feathers and bones and brain and
1: so when, when you eat it or when some people eat it, they don't eat the bird itself. They some people eat, do. They just eat the bird. I don't know
0: birds. if they eat it. I think they, like, suck on it like a fucking fish head type deal oh. or, like, a shrimp head kind of thing. So but, what's,
1: the, what's the benefit of eating it like that versus just regular?
0: Because uh, Filipinos are fucking crazy. I don't That's know. I,
1: I've, I've heard of it in Vietnam, Thailand. Oh, they, Cambodia. they do it yeah. everywhere?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if there's any benefit. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's... Uh, a different taste or anything. Actually, you know what I had in Mexico was what do you call um what do you call baby pigs? What the fuck are those called baby pigs? <laughs> um like baby back ribs, suckling pigs. That's fucking gross. Piglets? I can't eat that shit. What? I thought I'd be excited to eat fucking baby back ribs like straight up, no sauce. Straight up baby pig on a roast. How big? Like this big yeah like it's not the same as a grown-up pig because there's no fat on it so it doesn't taste good at all like it tastes weird i didn't like it at all i almost threw up eating Hmm. that shit can't eat it
1: mental block because it was a baby
0: no just because it tasted like shit there was no fat like i'm used to eating pork with that salty Mm -hmm. you know fatty taste on it Mm -hmm. but because it's a a baby pig they don't have any of that yet right
1: well what about like small birds like like squab pigeon quail that sort of thing
0: um i'm not a huge fan of it either Mm -hmm. i like quail eggs Mm -hmm. because it's like it's like fucking hard-boiled egg but um like i've had quail and stuff not a huge fan Mm -hmm. i'm a huge fan of fat yeah and when there's no fat on the meat like it's just it i find that it tastes weird Mm -hmm. although if we're talking like like game Like I can eat that and most game doesn't have like that much fat. So like if you're eating deer, you know, not much fat, like it, it, I like that. But like, I don't know if maybe baby animals just don't taste good. They haven't lived long enough to like age that taste. I guess like animals are like whiskey. Like they have (laughs) to like kind of age like a wine kind of thing. Yeah. But like, like, baby animals just don't taste good (laughs) to me (laughs) to me they don't they just don't taste good like i need that fat in there that saltiness like
1: veal is even very different right
0: like veal too like i mean (laughs) with the right salty fat sauce on it like it can be good but like straight up like no like it's it's just not there it's Mm -hmm. just not ready to eat Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. meat it needs to be a little bit aged, I think. Like, when you eat it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of... Like, chickens we eat as adults. We don't normally eat them as chicks. Or, like, anything younger. They're young. like Chickens? Com-
1: commercially raised, yeah. Very how old young.
0: Are, how old are chickens when well, you eat
1: them? I don't know. We might want to Google this one. Uh, but they're not,
0: like, yellow fur chicks. Like, no. you're not eating them that small.
1: But, but like, how they raise them um, is like maximum growth rate right so these I, I think i think they're only like a couple months old when they're slaughtered for meat that's my understanding
0: okay well that might be like old for a chicken though because chickens don't live very long <laughs> well
1: i don't know if it's old for a chicken like like in the grand scheme of things we need but to feed people here they've right? accelerated this right because the the costly part is 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 keeping the chickens is, yeah. is the yeah. you know it, it, that, that part of it. So the quicker you can get them to grow up until they're ready to eat. Yeah. Right. They're they're basically like call them a teenage chicken. They're physically grown, but like mentally they're still right. like. Yeah,
0: not they're I not not baby chickens. <laughs> Nobody wants to eat baby chickens. It's yeah. Fucking gross. But no, that totally makes sense. Like yeah. though even chickens though, they're still a little bit aged. Like they're not like mm-hmm. baby chickens. Mm-hmm. Like we're not eating them as fucking mm-hmm. chicks. Yeah. So they still but have t- like yellow if, if feathers you... and shit. That's right. If you've
1: ever had a old chicken, so what they would use in French cooking, um and presumably other cuisines as well, for um like stewing, yeah. Right? It's an older chicken, like coca van is like uh coke a rooster, right? Um that's been stewed for a long time. How old are we wine. talking? You know, like like a couple years, probably. Really, is. yeah. <laughs> like, which is ancient.
0: People chicken. are raising chickens to be years old. Oh, you don't,
1: That's you don't slaughter crazy. a rooster every year,
0: right? <laughs> oh, okay. So we're talking yeah. like a rooster meat. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well,
1: old chickens, yeah. right? Yeah. Or or an old hen. You know, you would you would stew it like that. Sure. Because I've actually um, cooked a rooster that uh, a friend of mine raised on his farm. And he's like, we want to slaughter this and, and whatever. And going through that whole process of slaughtering an, an animal and, you know, that was, that was good. He right? took the feathers off and shit? Oh, yeah. Nice. The whole thing. So he lives um, on a big property and they wanted to raise chickens and he had a rooster. And so the chickens laid the eggs and whatnot. And then the rooster was kind of getting to the point where it's like, oh, okay, you know, it's old, right? Let's, <laughs> let's cook it. And <laughs> So we go over there and what made this this uh
0: it's not banging the hens anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah.
1: Needed too much rooster viagra. Um what uh what um made this dinner even more ridiculous is that the power went out during. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to kind of like cook everything by candlelight <laughs> and you know there was a combination of cooking like in, like on their gas stove and and sure. and on the on the barbecue. But a couple of the things really shocked me about the process, and I was very prepared to kind of slaughter slaughter a chicken, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know it wasn't something I was necessarily looking forward to, but I'm like I wanted to understand how it worked, yeah. Because the only chicken I've ever really you know cooked has been one that's in the grocery store, yeah. It? So one of the things that you do is you have to kind of string it upside down, and then you slice its neck really quickly, and you drain the blood out of it, and then yep.
0: kind of drain drains while it's alive.
1: While it's alive, yep. yeah. You got to do that. And wait, wait, this-
0: do you do f- do you defeather before you kill it or after? Oh, after. Come on, man. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like to such a terrible thing. Alive? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. So you 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 string it upside, you catch it, you string it upside down, you you slice the neck, and the, the the blood kind of drains out, yep. and that takes a little while, and um and then you have to have water, a big pot of water of a very specific temperature. It can't be too cold. Um, it can't be so boiling hot so that you're cooking the chicken. Yeah. But basically you dunk this chicken in in, in the water kind of like a couple times and then the feathers just like melt off of oh, really? you just like grab them and both my friend and I were kinda grabbing this stuff off this rooster and it's like a large rooster. Um couldn't say how many pounds it was, but it was like it was like the carcass was this like the torso was the size of a basketball. Like it was a sure. big bird. Yeah. Right? And so I'm pulling off the feathers and everything. Slice off the head.
0: So pulling off the feathers, it's not like the shit you see in the in the movies, like where they're like fucking ripping it out. Like
1: no, I think the movie. You're maybe watching Game of Thrones or something. <laughs> I or was like watching. The they t- were doing that in Game of Thrones <laughs> <World>. last week. <laughs> no, was, I mean, the guy was totally doing that. There's a way to. There's a way to do it using like water. with water, and it just comes
0: out. Easily, yeah, because you know.
1: it kind of just like release. It's enough of a temperature to release the feathers, sure. but not enough to cook the chicken, right? Or you know, cook the skin at, at least, and. From what I understand, that's like a you know how they would do it as part of the commercial process yeah. of preparing okay. the chicken. But then the other thing that you realize is that like this has been a living animal, right? So it's warm. And that was a bit of a shock to me, because we were we you cut into the chicken, which doesn't have a hole in the bottom of it, by the way, because it's uh, you know, like they they, they kind of like cut a hole into the bottom of the chicken and yeah. then you buy a whole chicken and, like they pull all the guts and everything yeah so we have to do that that part ourselves right and you reach into this thing and it is warm right and it's like hot kind of which still, is still like after oh, yeah.
0: the whole water pulling out feathers process it's yeah still I mean, warm. we're talking
1: about minutes of being alive and like right. getting in there and, and, and doing that and so that was a bit of a shocker and you know you saved certain parts of the organs so my, my friend's family wanted the liver and the kidney and sure and, and all that sort of thing which is great to use everything. To and, cook and eat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we I, I, I butchered the chicken as, as I normally would. And we uh, cooked parts of it. And it was very tough. Like even a proper cook and everything, you're like slicing t- into the breast of the chicken. Um, like the meat was like very chewy. Yeah. And that's what I learned from that process is that a real bird, like something that has lived a full life, and that um is healthy and that is has been running around a property as opposed to like living in a cage all its life where it's like weak and deformed and its meat is like you know just holding its bones together sure (laughs)
2: okay
1: like a real bird like that's been working its muscles is 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 a lot more sturdy than than the, the chicken that we're used to right you know one of the lowest quality chickens out there and you can tell when you kind of like Work its bones around and stuff like that. Even after it's cooked, is KFC chicken? That chicken must be some of the cheapest, um poorly raised chicken you can you can find. Oh, I'm sure. Because the bones are actually quite quite weak. Like you yeah. can you take, take KFC bones and just like they snap come them. apart. Yeah, yeah. Versus like if you buy like an organic chicken from you know a a, a butcher and, and yeah. you cook it, like and you get a gnaw the shit out of it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's stronger. <laughs> it's it's like you know they they raise it in, in such a way that. Wants it to be healthy, and and the meat is is yeah. you know good quality, and there's there's a good amount of fat well, there too. Well, it's KFC.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I mean they're trying to they're selling chicken. <laughs> but
1: next, but I know, but next time you go there, like just think about that. Like yeah. I eat KFC, I eat all kinds of yeah. crap. But when you really start to see like what a good chicken tastes like and what KFC chicken is, yeah. it, it kind of makes you a bit sad because you're like, oh man, this was like really shitty chicken.
0: I would I'd be curious to hear, to eat some KFC with like good chicken. <laughs> like side uh, by side? No, like if KFC started using good chicken. Sure. God damn, that would probably be good shit. <laughs> yeah. you
1: probably you can probably find some some restaurants that do a fried chicken. But the problem is, you know, like KFC has that 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 recipe that uh, for us is so nostalgic, right? Like, yeah. I mean, when you taste KFC, like, I like, I love Church's chicken. I love, Church's chicken, Popeye's chicken. I love Popeye's chicken. Popeye's Chicken's fucking good. So good, but <laughs> um, KFC still has a place in my heart. Do you eat fast food? Oh
0: yeah. What's your mm-hmm. favorite fast food?
1: Um, you know, Whoa. the wife really loves McDonald's, so we end up at McDonald's. Uh, is that your? It's not your thing. favorite though, is it? Well,
0: what's your like? Your, what's your favorite fast food? I like them all. Joint bur- like burger though, burger. Favorite best fast food fast food
1: burger like you're talking like like, like let's go
0: like mcdonald's mm-hmm. wendy's nw burger king
1: uh love a good wendy's burger i think they do a nice job i have to agree f- with you i love the fact that that those vegetables are cold and crispy yeah. they do such a nice job with that part
0: i feel like they they take their time with that stuff yeah. with the vegetables at wendy's yeah Like that shit's fresh yes <laughs> it's not even sitting around for a while, or like they actually keep it in the fridge until they actually cut it. Yeah. No, I, I give Wendy's some props. Mm-hmm. Their burger is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like A and W. Their meat's pretty good. <laughs> I try. Uh, I barely eat at, the, at fast food joints anymore. But when I do, it's either usually Wendy's or A and W. Yeah. I try. I try to stay away from McDonald's.
1: What they, about tilapia fish? Do you like tilapia right? fish?
0: Guilty pleasure? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I i don't think I've eaten one for years. But, like, if people didn't judge me for eating it, I'd probably eat it more <laughs> often. But, no, I, th- I think it, the flail fish is pretty good. Do you like it? I love it. Yeah? I'd, I'd, I've
1: i i have always loved flail fish just because um, it's such a different way to have fish. like. Deep. Deep fried a lot of people like just assume... no i mean i i think it, i think it's about the assembly of the sandwich which i'll get to in a moment but a lot of people <laughs> assume that because it's from mcdonald's yeah. that it must be like fake or it must be poor quality or whatever sure i think that the the pollock that they use in folio fish is completely acceptable it's pretty like
0: uh no, no I, I get what you mean i don't know what i'm trying to say like it it falls apart like yep. it should
1: like I mean, when you think about how that that type of fish will be processed, it's caught in Alaska. Yeah. It's frozen right away. They, um, you know, they process it in such a way where they're like kind of like, uh, I guess breading it. Yeah. Right, and then and then freezing it. So like, the the freshness is not a question with that. I mean, they have their systems down at McDonald's, and that's one of the things I love about about McDonald's <laughs> is that just like watching them work and how they've <laughs> planned everything out is so impressive. And then they have a bunch of like. Thirteen-year-old people working there. I'm like, it I do my mind. anyone
0: say that. The thing I love about McDonald's,
1: yeah, no, I mean, it really does. Like, and uh. and so we we go to McDonald's quite a bit, right? And because it's kind of a guilty pleasure for the wife, sure. and like, and I, I, one of the things I like about McDonald's is, um, for breakfast, right? They've continued to all day long, all day long. Yeah. Now, now that they do that, which is great, I've definitely eaten <laughs> some sausage and like egg McMuffins at 11 yeah. p.m. Um, but but you know, like they've really improved the coffee game. Yeah. Have you had McDonald's coffee recently? No,
0: but like I hear good things about it. It's great. Like that McDonald's I prefer has some McDonald's crazy coffee coffee. To a
1: lot of really, really, you know, like good expensive coffee sure. places. But getting back to the flail fish, okay. <laughs> it's something that when you talk to people, yeah, I find it's once again a love and a hate thing. Like it,
0: you know what it is? It's the, it's what the seniors order. Nobody else orders it, but False. the seniors. No. no, 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 no. I know, but that's like the stigma behind it. Okay, people, right. I, I'm 20 years old. I'm not gonna fucking order a goddamn fillet fish. Well, like...
1: maybe the next generation isn't, but I've <laughs> met enough people. I have met enough people our age who still have a thing for the fillet fish, where like that will be the thing that they order if they go to McDonald's.
0: You know what, Kay? The thing about the fillet fish, though, is that I think it's the price that gets me. Is that if I need to eat two of those fuckers, yeah. And one of those is, like, the same as, like, like something that would make me full, like, mm-hmm. off the rest of the menu. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I don't order it is because it just doesn't fill fill me. I need to eat two of those fuckers for sure.
1: It's, it's probably comparable price to a Big Mac. Maybe a little bit less.
0: It, it, yeah, but still, like, a Big Mac will fill me. Right, and that's why I would order a Big Mac over a yeah. filet of fish because like I'm, I'm done with it.
1: Right, but you know those new burgers they have at McDonald's. Well, maybe like you, the you don't. Angus like and the shit. Angus? Like the so fucking. From the very beginning, I've not liked those because I've never tried one. Don't are, are they, they just like terrible? Them? From the very beginning, uh, I have tried them hoping that it would be good, <laughs> <laughs> and they're really not. <laughs> they're just they're just a big disappointment. Uh... They kind of like.
0: Is the, meat, is the meat different than like a like a Big Mac or like a cheeseburger? It's
1: more of it. I want to say like maybe it's the same as what they put on a quarter pounder. Or oh, so
0: it's just the same meat, but more of it. Yeah. And oh, there's nothing
1: re- There's nothing really wrong with the McDonald's meat. No, like, not at all. Like when I have a cheeseburger at McDonald's, yeah. or actually I like a hamburger. I'm probably one of the only people who orders hamburgers at McDonald's. Yeah,
0: that's weird. It is. <laughs> no because, cheese?
1: No, because you know what? Like Black for me doesn't... on that particular sandwich, the cheese doesn't add a lot. For me, it's all about those dehydrated onions. Oh fuck
0: the onions! Yeah. are the shit
1: and the ketchup and the pickle. Yeah, yeah. When I order a hamburger at McDonald's, I'm like extra ketchup, extra onions, <laughs> extra pickle. <laughs> yeah, like, if there's a they're... one,
0: if there's one little onion that got on the the fucking wrapper, oh, yeah. I'm fucking picking yeah, it up and yeah, eating me it. Me too.
1: Me too. Shit's so good. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's definitely <laughs> no. The cheese does it for me though. I need okay. the cheese in there. Okay. See, for me, you gotta have the cheese on the. Sausage and egg McMuffin. That yes, it glues it all together.
0: I didn't know they didn't have that without the cheese. No, that well, would can, be ridiculous. You can order it without the
1: cheese, <laughs> but don't.
0: <laughs> uh, um, do you do you watch Gordon Ramsay at all? Yep. Do you like him?
1: Yeah, I do. I think Gordon Ramsay is. Uh, uh, I think Gordon Ramsay is, especially when you watch his um, shows that he did. In the UK, like on BBC and stuff like that, or Kitchen Nightmares. Uh, yeah,
0: Kitchen Nightmares. Where he
1: is, um, basically like something so different people. than the American one. Oh, it's, it totally is. I I think I think all those American shows that he does, he totally and, talks down to them. Well, well, like they really amplify <laughs> the the asshole part of his personality, where yeah. he's swearing and he's being a dick and stuff. But there's two instances where I really, really see where I think you really see like the true Gordon Ramsay. And that's in those kitchen nightmare shows where he's helping people and yeah. he's and he's like trying to very quickly understand the situation. And sometimes that takes a little bit of friction, right? Where yeah. he's going head to head with somebody. But really at the end of the day, um, he does a lot of good in terms of in terms of like helping these people to either like fix their relationship or fix their business, right? Yeah. It usually is one and the same thing. And also he's he's money on MasterChef Jr. where he's working with the kids. Yeah. I think that like he is a fundamentally like good, nice person who turns on this asshole personality because it's what sells. Yeah. You know, it's what sells his brand. I don't even
0: think that's necessarily true. Like with, I think if he knows that the person, the person he's dealing with is an asshole, yeah. that's when he brings out his asshole. Mm. Cause like even with the UK uh, version, like most of the people don't like have egos there. They're just don't, they're just not educated. And they're wanting, like they got into the food industry and they just either couldn't afford to get the education or it's just where they ended up. Mm-hmm. And he ends up teaching them because they're like keen to learn and whatever. And you never see him spazzing out at anybody on the UK ones mm-hmm. because most of those people are in that situation. Yeah. Most of the U S ones, like they know like what the show is about and that, like that he has this reputation about being an asshole. So they all test it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though like deep down they want the education, they want to learn how to cook properly and whatever, but like they know it's like US TV and it's just like, we got to get ratings. So it's just like, I'm going to fucking test his ego yeah. and you know, I'm going to try and get him pissed off and all that. But like, yeah. like what you're saying with the, uh, uh, master of junior, mm-hmm. like there's no egos there cause they're kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just like, he's fully just trying to teach them and like, yeah. he's not being a dick. Like yeah. he's, it's, Fully, just an education for them, yeah. and it's fucking awesome to see. I want him to start going to different like companies that have nothing to do with cooking, and like starting to fix like other companies that just because that's all he really does with the U.S. one, mm-hmm. uh with um, like what is it, uh, like house Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen, no, no not Hell's it's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, Kitchen Nightmares, yeah. and the Hotel Hell or whatever that one is. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. It's just people that just like companies that like have like people are lazy like you know and they just like they don't want to fucking deal with it and they're just like they just want to be out of it and whatever yeah and he just goes in there and he just rips people apart because they're fucking lazy i would love to see that like at other companies like just like him fix companies because that's all he does he's like kind of a psychologist almost right
1: exactly have you seen um restaurant impossible it's uh yeah with with um, robert um, irvine yeah i think he's even a better version of that yeah 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 he's he 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 has some pretty cool episodes there where you see that that yeah. that whole like evolution of. well people. he's not
0: as he's not as hollywood as fucking no. ramsey that's why it's he's a little bit more straight to straight to the point yeah um but yeah no definitely like i and it's funny with kitchens and stuff like we're at my work now we're trying to v- develop different departments and stuff and uh, make them a little bit better than they are and we're like i've been trying to like drain this in some of the younger guys heads like um look, you guys have worked in kitchens before. Like you've worked in restaurants like in your early 20s just to pay the bills and whatever and now you're working at a company where you have fucking benefits and you're getting paid properly, right? So with this department, and this room, we're going to treat it like a fucking kitchen. Yeah, you probably worked at Red Robin where they didn't have like these standards, but like in a real kitchen, mm-hmm. like you're cleaning every you're really deep cleaning every day at the end of every shift. Uh, making sure that there's no dust there's no nothing no dirt no fucking grime anywhere mm-hmm. and um i've totally been trying to relate like my work with like kitchen and food and stuff like mm. because like a lot of our stuff um like any kind of contaminants and stuff like can really fuck up our product right so like, we got to keep, keep everything's like super clean because like we laminate glass and stuff and and like uh fire, glass, and stuff in the kiln. So if, like, if it's not clean, it's just gonna it's gonna turn out like shit. Mm-hmm. So like, I <laughs> I just would be like, it would be fucking awesome to have like ramsey come in here and just say like, you're <laughs> fucking being lazy, you fucker. <laughs> yeah. Like, do it this way or like whatever. But like, treating like things like a kitchen like is a really good way to live by. Like, even like in life. Mm-hmm. Like your house, like whatever, like your washroom, like whatever. Just treat it like a fucking kitchen. Yeah. Like if you can't, if you can't serve people food off whatever it is that you're working on, like, just fuck off. Like, <laughs> like start over, do it again. Are you like that with your kitchen? No. You're not like.
1: No, I, I, I. That's one area I need to improve on. I know it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like a messy home cook, and I just kind of like. pretty reckless in the kitchen
0: let me ask you this when you cook do you uh, specifically at home and it's just like say you and your wife when you cook and you use dish do you put it in the sink do you leave it on the counter or do you put it in the dishwasher when you're done with it (laughs)
1: like i said it's (laughs) it's an area i need to improve upon yeah i mean i i I learned the same way I learned that the hard way when I was uh, in the, in the restaurant kitchen um, that the way that I cook is way too haphazard and messy and like focused on the food as opposed to the equipment and environment around me. Um, when you're working in a kitchen uh, in a restaurant um, and you have other people you're working with and it's cramped environment, you have to be very organized you have sure. to be very diligent and you know, it's, it's all part of their training and, not having had that training and also being just kind of like naturally. What is that like in a
0: restaurant though? Like if you, if you use, um, if you say you fried a fish, you're done with it. What do you do with that pan? Are you cleaning it? Are you just putting it in the proper place to be cleaned?
1: Well, during service, there's a dishwasher, right? Like a person who is responsible for like, basically you're taking things that you've used and you just tuck them into a a dish pit. And the guy deals with it. Um, but, other than that, like outside of service and before and after, these cooks and chefs are are cleaning constantly, you know, wiping down their surface, cleaning their uh, the the tools and you know knives equipment. while
0: they're in the middle of making a dish.
1: Um, no, like I said, during service, like there, there's people around to kind of help help with that, sure. so it's expedited. But a lot of the stuff that happens during the prep time and during the after time and during their off time, they're sharpening knives, they're cleaning things, right. They're, they're um organizing stuff like a big part of what what uh, we did at bao bay was um you know preserving things so we talked about pickles right so yeah. you know everything was made in-house including these these mustard greens that had to be kind of like rotated because this one was has been in the fridge for three days and but it's ready in seven days or something something like that right yeah so there's there's a whole kind of like like system for not only like procuring the the stuff like purchasing ingredients but also for like managing it in the restaurant itself and like we can store this one for two days and after that it's done. Right.
0: So going back to like cooking at home, like Kelsey always asks me, she's like, Why do you always like make use like ten different pans and pots just to make one dish? I'm like, that's how it tastes good. (laughs) Like that's how I make it taste good. Like I make every I don't know why I use so many dishes and so many things, but I feel like it needs to be done to be able to make your dish taste good. I was like, you always only use one and your food's always bland <laughs> in some way. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I use like a million dishes, but I do. And it yeah. just makes it taste that much better for some reason. Well,
1: I mean, here's, here's one kind of argument for people who sit on our side of the, the, the spectrum, right? Is that like, If you took time to clean as you went, as you go, like I've cooked with people who do that, whether it's because it's in their home or they're helping me cook or whatever. And you realize how much work that is to like use something and do something and then stop what you're doing cooking wise and then cleaning it or putting it in the dishwasher or putting it away or whatever. Um, It's way more work that way. It takes more time and you have to be more organized.
0: I think it it's, also fucks up the food that you're cooking. Like if you're timing wise, sure, because mostly I think when you're cooking something and you want it to taste good, like it, it's got a, it's got the perfect timing. Mm-hmm. But right? if, if you like, and
1: I were people were, were like professionally trained chefs who are more organized, you would get your mise en place, right? Sure. So so the 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 term means like everything in its place ahead of time, and this right. is something that you really realize when you're cooking, like uh, like when you're sautéing something or when you're doing any kind of like. Wok cooking, Chinese, Thai, whatever. Yep. You have to have everything ready to go ahead of time. You're not like starting your wok cooking and then slicing onions. That just it doesn't work yeah. because your timing is messed up and you ruin the dish. Right. So you know mise en place means like you know you get everything ready, and it's certainly something that they would they would uh, you know teach in culinary school, like classical French technique, right? It's like you got to get everything ready, clean up, ready to go, <laughs> and then. And then that's how you cut.
0: Um do you you've probably done it. Have you seasoned your your food like that the seasoning salt guy? Salt bay. Is that what what is his is that is that him?
1: <laughs> his name yeah, his name is uh, Nusret. uh I don't know how to pronounce it. He's uh I want to say Turkish.
0: What does he do? Like is he a, a chef? Yeah,
1: or... He's a chef, he's a restaurateur. Hmm. I follow him on on Instagram. <laughs> And he is every bit as awesome and ridiculous <laughs> as you would expect. It would be. Oh,
0: I loved when that like took off. Yeah, And, <laughs> and, and, and making... you
1: know what? Like he, this guy has really capitalized on it. He has, um, taken this whole worldwide fame that he's got and run with it.
0: Does he like own restaurants and stuff? Or...
1: Yeah. He yeah. owns multiple restaurants. I think that his main operation is in uh,
0: Dubai. Oh, okay. yeah. um, um, Uh, I was watching this thing, um, that was linked to his stuff was about, um, uh, when to order like raw sushi. Um, I've heard this thing or read about, even read about it, about how like you shouldn't order raw sushi, like at a restaurant on Monday. Oh yeah. What is that about? Do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it has to do with, um, when a lot of places, get their deliveries of things right. to the restaurant i've i've heard that too and it's like um, a
0: typical thing that that's like the that's like the last day that they probably
1: well it's because they don't deliver on sunday right. so whatever you're eating i guess maybe deliver been delivered on saturday Problems or friday right. or something i mean like i think that the good quality restaurants um have a system in place where they are perhaps taking frozen fish right. and thawing it at a At a rate that would would make ensure that it's fresh and ready to go on monday
0: have you ever had bad fish at a no sure raw raw restaurant
1: i've i I think i've i think i've had food poisoning once it was one of those situations that i wasn't really sure um but uh it was from like a cheap all-you-can-eat sushi place but other than that i can't think of any incidents like i've definitely had had fish that uh, didn't taste great
0: and, anytime I have fish that tastes like shit, like I spit it out mm. and I never, that's why I feel like I've never had food poisoning is cause I can usually tell like my taste buds are pretty good at mm-hmm. like, like don't swallow that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you just end up getting rid of it. Yeah. Like I've had some bad fish here and there and it's mm-hmm. just like, you can straight up taste it like right when you put it in your mouth and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then that's fucking bullshit yeah. because We were talking about that at dinner, about how like a good, I don't want to say cook or chef, but like just anybody who serves food, you should probably taste your food before you fucking serve it. Mm -hmm. And like if you're not tasting, I mean, it's kind of a weird situation. Like if you're you're cutting sushi and stuff and Mm -hmm. like tasting every little bit, like you'd be, you have like an eight hour shift and you're just fucking shoving fish down your throat. But like, I feel like you should taste a little bit or even smell it. At least, you know, like to make sure that it's good before you,
1: you know, one of the things that's that's uh, both, I think, a blessing and a curse about living in Vancouver is a lot of people say, oh, we have such great cheap sushi. It's so plentiful and it's everywhere. But it, you know, the competitiveness of our of our um, market has really bid down the price of sushi. So, like, people will go into a restaurant and they'll be, you know, sort of able to compare Oh, this place has a spicy tuna roll for three dollars, whereas the other place is two seventy-five. You sure. know, so that so a lot of places compete on price, right? Yeah. And so those I, I can appreciate the fact that a lot of the cheap sushi places can't afford to waste fish because yeah. it's, there's expensive costs. Yeah, you know, like um high costs associated with wastage, especially in that world. So a lot of places will serve marginal stuff. Yeah and I think that the places that are serving really off um, uh, fish probably don't have the education or training necessary to really like be able to smell it or or, or, or discern. So I think when it comes to eating raw fish, personally, like I've kind of passed the point where I'm going to all you can eat sushi all the time and yeah. you know like like trying to find the cheapest salmon sashimi <laughs> I can get. Right. So like you kind of have a, a, a sweet spot of where it's like okay, I'm willing to pay a little bit more for something that I know is going to taste good and not yeah really say. yeah. yeah
0: no for sure yeah have you ever eaten raw horse
1: i've eaten horse um <laughs> carpaccio
0: such a random <laughs> and it's not a random question because i have a story about this but okay. really you had fucking horse carpaccio. yeah
1: it, it it did to be honest like weird me out a little bit it was uh carpaccio so it was kind of cured yeah and uh no sorry it was horse prosciutto it was cured
0: horse prosciutto
1: yeah it was like horse so it was like pan. cooked well, it's cured yeah like dried
0: yeah cured. sure okay
1: and um how was that it, it it relative to kind of like a dried beef uh product yeah it tasted really sweet and i didn't really enjoy it mm. and it weirded me out that it was horse, but
0: how how did you go about that i don't know, did that...
1: was it some, something <laughs> <laughs> they're like try the horse something
0: like, okay try the horse. <laughs> i went to um a japanese restaurant co-worker his uh his buddy owns the restaurant and uh so we go in there actually this is you'd probably appreciate this story (laughs) so we go in and so i'm i'm having dinner with a co-worker and his wife we go to a japanese restaurant his his buddy owns the restaurant and so he's like oh like what 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 do you want what do you want to get what do you want to order and i was like you know what this is all you like you I want the full-on Japanese, like, your Japanese-type experience. Like, don't order off the white menu for me. Like, just order whatever, and I'll eat it. Like, I'll try anything. Like I said, like, I will definitely try anything.
1: So you were asking for
0: it? Oh, yeah. Well, I was just like, order what you normally would order. Yeah. You know, like, don't go, like, like don't order shit that you would never eat. <laughs> like, order what you normally would eat, right? Yeah. And actually one of the, one of the interesting things about eating with a Japanese person, I guess, I don't know if this is every Japanese person, but this is my experience with it is that they'll, it's not like a typical me (laughs) person from North Vancouver eating Japanese food where I order a roll of whatever and I'm just like, (laughs) ah, shoving it down my throat. Yeah they would order like a roll of something for the three of us to eat. We would like that. And I'm trying to like follow their lead. Right. So they have, they have, they have a roll each of whatever it is. I, I, I roll like one piece, just one piece and conversation for like 20 minutes nobody puts a fucking another piece of food in their mouth for another fucking 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's like, what the fuck are we going to eat again? Like I'm fucking, and there's like, there's food there, right? Like there's still like another three rolls each or one roll each for, for, for each of us. And, um, you know, we're, we're drinking Mm -hmm. like we all, we have beers. His wife has some wine and you know, we're, we're pretty much drinking more than we're eating. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if that's Japanese culture or just him, Mm But uh, we were definitely drinking more than we were eating. So, and so we, you know, fifteen minutes would pass. We would eat. We'd all eat another piece each. Another fifteen minutes of conversation, Mm -hmm. like nobody eating anything. And so,
1: were you not taking a piece because they weren't taking a piece? Is that? Yeah, I was
0: waiting for them. Like I was totally going off their lead. Like I didn't want to be disrespectful.
1: Did they serve you?
0: uh, At any point in time. What do you mean? Like if like putting it on my plate, did
1: they put it onto your plate?
0: No, okay. like um, it, no, like if yeah. if they took something off the main plate and yeah. put it onto theirs and started eating it, yeah. that's when I would I would do the same. Okay, um, so you know we had like a you know a typical roll of whatever, you know it wasn't too crazy. Uh, we had another different type of fish, like raw fish that I've never had before. Um, it was, it was okay. It tasted a little bit on the fishier side of things. Um, but it was still good. Like not to the point where I was going to spit it out. Like it was good, but it still tasted a little bit like too fishy for my liking, but you know, I ate it. Um, and then, and then the owner comes out, <laughs> he's like, and you know, him and him and my coworker just speaking Japanese to each other. <laughs> uh, I guess he was like probably explaining who I was and whatever and all that and so I don't, I don't know he's just like it it. i could kind of tell that they were ordering stuff off off the menu mm-hmm. while he came out because he was kind of I, it sounded like he was explaining what he had back there and so um he you know like whatever another dish came out and then that was good and all and whatever and then one comes out i'm like oh what's this and my co-worker's like oh, well, it's it's horse and I'm like, oh, okay, like, that's different. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, raw horse. So it's raw horse. And so I'm like, ah, eh, whatever. I'm probably like four pints in because like every 15 minute conversation, I had would pretty much have a, a pint. Yeah. And so I was pretty pretty drunk at that point. I would say so. Like I, I feel like if I was sober, I'd be a little bit. No, I'd probably still eat it. But like at that point, I was like, okay, I'll try it. So i put it in my mouth straight up like raw salmon. Like texture I don't know taste i wouldn't be able to say because i was a little bit drunk mm-hmm. and i also soaked it in soy and wasabi <laughs> cuz i was just a little bit like raw horse. <laughs> um but texture straight up raw salmon mm. like exactly the same. So quite tender. Yeah. Yeah. So like right in my mouth i was like oh it's- like salmon and then all i could taste was like soy and wasabi and that i could you know texture wise though like on on the same side like i could probably say it actually maybe tasted a little bit like salmon Mm -hmm. um so i thought that was weird that they had fucking raw horse back
1: there (laughs) yeah i mean you hear about horse uh making on some menus in town vietnamese restaurants um would be another example of that because I think it probably is eaten quite commonly in other parts of the world, but it's just that in North America we yeah. have this association. It's like dog.
0: Yeah, we don't eat domesticated animals at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we eat the shit out of beef, right? Yeah, and right. like you go to India in in many parts of India, eating beef is, is totally yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's sacrilegious. So, so I, I mean, I, I, I do kind of appreciate the fact that there are there's a rel- relativity to this. Yeah. Um. That like what we think is gross or what I think is gross may not be gross or something else. So I'm always like one of those people who's like, I'll try anything. Yeah. And probably one of the more, um, uh, uh, ambitious experiences I had was in Iceland and Iceland has this traditional preparation of, um, shark, fermented shark. It's actually like, it's actually rotten. And I believe it's, I want to say nurse shark or one of the bigger, sharks that's like kind of around iceland sure. and they're like big
0: what does that mean though like is it just like does, is it put in anything to rot or is it just straight up sits there raw it's
1: put the whole chunks of shark are cut up and they're put into a cabin that sits in the open air in iceland wow it just
0: so it's not like pickled in anything. It's just nope. straight up sitting there. No, and it and it exposed to the air.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the that actual shark itself, and and this whole process was um, developed um, out of necessity, right? Because they needed to eat something. It's Iceland, right? Sure. Back in the day, and uh, they realized that like if you eat it after it's been sitting out for months, it becomes edible, right? No, it's, oh. it's not good. It's but you can eat it's it. It's Disgusting. Okay, like. <laughs> It actually um, tastes so strong of ammonia. So you think like Windex? Yeah. Right? It tastes so strong of ammonia that there's really nothing else to it uh, that, that I could really gather. Some people say it tastes like cheese. I remember it kind of like biting into it. It looked like Jeez. a... Yeah, I mean, like it was served in a little... They gave you a sample at the yeah. market because they're like, hey, tour tourists, a tourist. Try the Rotten Shark. And I'd done a lot of, like, research on it ahead of time. Like, I was, like, watching videos and stuff. I'm like, what is it? How do they make it? So you right? can't eat
0: it, like, any time before that. No, it would kill you. Oh, really?
1: It's super poisonous. Huh. Yeah, but rotting it makes it okay. Well, it
0: kills all the poisonous shit. Like, it just so. dies. It just dies. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing's dead. But, You're like, literally, like,
1: I remember very distinctly, like, self. as I was eating it, at least, like, 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 it's just rotting and it starts to ooze stuff out of it. And <laughs> oh. It's, like, one of the nast. like, it's kind of highly you know, well known as one of the most disgusting foods in the world. Right. right. And um, so it's, it's become kind of a bit of an, a novelty in Iceland as well. They eat all, all kinds of crazy things there. Um, and I could barely get that down. Like it was a tough process for me, but they eat like seafood, whale seafood, a lot of though. whale. Right? Seafood, seafood. <laughs> no, it's absolutely it's not, not. a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I would eat, I would eat horse any day over some of this stuff. Uh, so we ate like a uh, whale which was kind of served like rare, like steak, and it was like really purple through the middle. It kind of looked like ahi tuna, actually. It's kind of like...
0: What does it taste like? Oh,
1: the whale was a little bit... I mean, it kind Salty. of... Salty? Fatty? It was lean in terms of... It, it doesn't have a lot of like, like intramuscular fat, but it was very like squishy. Yeah. And kind of like a... Imagine eating like a very rare piece of steak that is really lean that is maybe not the right cut to eat rare or like you yeah know, i don't know duck it's kind of like it sure, lo- yeah. like duck tastes yeah. like chewy steak it was yeah. not that and it, it has a bit of a fishy tinge to it and the other thing we ate was puffin which are like those little kind of penguin looking birds yeah and that was like super fishy
0: C- cooked
1: it was rare as well oh god yeah so there were some weird things in Iceland. <laughs>
0: it's actually kind of weird that we eat raw anything like even fish like that's fucking weird it's weird that we can even process that
1: well i mean like obviously it all started as raw meat right
0: oh yeah yeah
1: (laughs) but then once once we started cooking our food then you have this other alternative and it makes things you know more edible arguably more tasty but you know kind of thinking about things today one of the things that that really boggles my mind is how people do eat some things cooked so like you know when you have really nice tuna like ahi tuna like dark dark flesh and it's like a certain cut of it if you were to take that really nice tuna and you were to cook it through you could basically make it taste like canned tuna it's the same sure thing it's you know it's flaky and it would taste like canned tuna so sometimes like when people cook like t- a tuna steak and the seared on the outside, they'll cook it a little bit too much and you get a little bit of the raw kind of texture on the inside, but then the rest of it is just like been ruined in my opinion, right? Yeah. One of the other things too is with spot prawns. So you know, every May they do the, they start they start the season and the spot prawns everywhere. Yep. It's on every menu, et cetera, et cetera. And I think personally, um, a cooked spot prawn is like a total waste. Mm. It's it's um it it has a once cooked especially if it's been overcooked it has like a mushy texture that's so nasty relative to the kind of that that crunch or that pop that you get from a really good so
0: what food. are you saying is spot prawns should be cooked there like a medium rare? i think
1: spot prawns should be eaten raw really yeah oh. that's my favorite way to enjoy them huh and whenever they're cooked it's, it's just yeah. yeah i agree with you like have you had a raw spot yeah prawn? yeah yeah and I sweet. like it like that. Yeah, they're sweet. They're delicious. And, and yeah. they, they kinda like pop when, you, oh, when yeah. you When you bite them. And they're yeah. like nice and pink. And in one of my favorite ways, like 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 I told talked about Savory Island and my whole oyster experience. Mm-hmm. But we also were doing some uh, prawn fishing and this is something I'll do when I'm home too and they're in season. The problem is they're so expensive at Savory Island, you pull them out of the ocean for free. It's sure. amazing, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that, that they do as part of the sort of responsible fisheries thing is that you if you're not going to use the heads, they you pop off the heads and you just throw them back in the ocean because it kind of feeds the fish sure. and, yep. and and whatnot. And um yeah, and we were popping off the heads and I, every once in a while I'll get like a good one. Because these things are like flopping around and <laughs> yeah. fighting for their life, right? <laughs> Snap off the head, throw it in the ocean suck the head, right? Yep. Throw it in the ocean. Peel it and just eat it, and it still has a little bit of that salt water on, it, so it's already pre-seasoned. <laughs> okay. And like, it's the most amazing, like, naturally sweet, yeah. uh, delicious meat. Um yeah, Actually, I can't think of anything else like
0: that. I don't think I've ever had a cooked spot prawn. Now that I think about it, really? Yeah. Huh. What is that? Like, is this gross? No, I mean a lot
1: of people. A lot of people love them. Like, yeah. I, 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 had this debate with some coworkers, and we went to. A, Uh, a chinese restaurant where they actually bought spot prawns and brought them to the restaurant because they knew they knew the owners and they said prepare these for us kind of chinese style which is like very lightly coated in like flour or cornstarch deep fried fried, and then then wok fried in a sauce right and the way that you eat them is you kind of like you either just crunch through it and (laughs) fiddle around with your mouth or you can kind of peel with your hands or whatever and um yeah i mean like i ate it i'm like it's good there's good flavor here but but for me it's it's the tuna analogy it's like cooking a piece
2: of ahi
0: tuna it's just way better raw yeah a lot of things are eh. i guess with i'm definitely more of a fan of raw tuna than cooked tuna Mm -hmm. i don't like to cook tuna it's not very good is there a food that uh, you haven't had that you really want to try oh um... i don't know what mine would be
1: not like a, a specific food. I mean, there's different cuisines that I want to try in, in the native country. Like, I really, my, one of my <clears> next <throat> trips, I really want to go to Italy. Yeah. And I want to have, like, tomatoes at the foot of Mount Vesuvius. Sure. The soils are rich.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um.
1: Like, one of the things I noticed when we were traveling in France is that everything tastes a little bit different there. Like, milk tastes different. Yogurt tastes mm. different. Bread tastes different. The way that the croissants are made that are, are made are just wildly different than, than than what you have here. And of course, cheese and, and, and everything. Fruit tasted different. And it was kind of like this this uh, uh, you know exploration of new flavors and new things, um, of foods that you've already had before. So right. I guess I guess that 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 is the thing. It's like I have I've eaten all the food, but I want to
0: have food from that place. <laughs> But would you say like the food actually like, you still get like hints of what you're used to tasting though with like a and it's just a little bit different yeah in france
2: yeah That's but crazy. it's noticeably different oh i mean but we
0: you still talk, get that hint of it. Yeah. The, what it should taste like kind
1: of yeah thing. like straight up milk right and you're yeah. like wow that is like quite different
0: huh. um is france just like straight up butter do they just put butter on everything
1: yeah, there's a, lot yeah. Of butter. there's a lot of like when you go out for breakfast in france you don't eat like bacon and eggs you eat um bacon and butter no you eat uh you eat pastries oh right. coffee pastry right it's such a different thing and like we're taught in north america that like oh if you eat those things you'll get fat but there's like no fat people in france <laughs> it's That's... i think we're being lied to i think it's just
0: like eat really small portions in france right sure is that what yeah. is that what it did? like do you get small portions when you're there when you order from a restaurant?
1: It's a big part of it. I think people eat a lot less fast food. I think people uh, walk more. I think um I think that the food is probably in general less processed, so maybe right. that makes it better. I mean, you come to North America, especially you know, like even as Canadians who travel in the States, yeah. It's they just they just are pushing that fast food that Easy, greasy, shitty, big gulp slash yeah, you know, cheap nuggets and cheap burgers. It just it's it's everywhere. You can't avoid it.
0: Well, they're probably not using a lot of sugar in in France, right?
1: Um, well, they have all the pastries. Well, that.
0: like they invented all that. But are they eating? All, well, you were just saying about processed foods, but like I'm I'm talking about like, um, refined sugars in their food. Like, are they using that that much in France?
1: I, I wouldn't really know. I think that what they do use in baking probably is refined, mm. but I think that uh, the application of it is very different. So it's like you have sure. if you have a small croissant is different than eating like five donuts, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, we're coming up on time here, but let's let's end it on. If you could have, um, if you could have one thing to eat for the rest of your life, would you? Eat? What would it be? Like, if you could only eat one thing. You had to live off, and it ha- it would have to make sense. Like you would have to be able to get all your nutrients from it. Ah, I that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you could not just leave li- Like mine would be some sort of meat, but you can't. I don't think you can just live off. Oh, but
1: like a dish, right? Like a dish with meat.
0: Sure. Yeah. What do you have a dish? What's your go-to dish? Actually, let's. Before you answer that, what's just, like. Do you have a go-to dish that you cook like that? It's just like your dish, like your favorite one to cook. Uh, you know that people will love it. <laughs> you don't, you don't mess around with like fucking around with a new ingredient or anything. Like there's just that one dish that you, you you cook every time.
1: See, for me, it depends on the occasion because I definitely do have go-to dishes. Like if, if you and your wife are coming up for dinner we talk about like what type of food you like to eat and I kind of like fit you into a couple of different categories Um, if it's a special occasion I would do something quite nice that would be like surprising so I have one dish that is like this um, albacore tuna uh, um, basically like sashimi that I make a ponzu dressing and I I serve with slices of mango and then jalapeno on top and it's a really nice combination of flavors and it's kind of like my dish i kind of like yeah. you know assembled it in such a way that it's like that's like my thing and some coming and over yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Anytime. and and then like one of the other things that people really love is pasta so fresh 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 pasta and that's kind of like an interactive thing because i get people to make it with me so we always do like if we're going to do a big pasta dinner i'll do have like one stuffed one so like a ravioli to start nice and then some kind of like intermediate course that's um that's maybe like a lighter pasta like seafood so I like to do one with mussels and clams and white wine and butter and parsley and that sort of thing. What are you
0: putting in your ravioli?
1: Um, I often make a mushroom and ricotta, nice. and I'll just have a very yeah, simple mushrooms. sage, <laughs> sage and butter sauce. And you know, like, but I I like to mix it up. And um, and what are so, you doing that
0: fucker comes over that doesn't eat mushrooms?
1: <laughs> well, it's like,
0: chastise them a tell lot. Tell them to go away. Like you're not <laughs> invited. Fuck off.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean I always wanna like like when people tell me I don't like something, I like, like, oh like why? And and have you had it like this and you know, what don't you like about it? And so kind of like getting people Ugh. to like something for the first time is, yeah. is a is a it's new hard. challenge. Right?
0: Well I hate when it's like that whole when people throw that that whole um excuse of the texture. Yeah. They don't like the texture mm-hmm. in in your mouth. But it's like yeah. You realize you can cook this in so many different ways where it doesn't feel that way in your mouth or whatever. And like you can try it this way and it's not going to taste as bad. Well, not even taste. It's just yeah. not going to feel the same way that you're normally used to.
1: Well, I find that people who are the texture people, like who the, that's their problem. I find that a lot of them have not had a very well prepared mushroom. Sure. And a lot of them actually have only ever had canned mushrooms. <laughs> God. So do you know when you go to Tim Hortons and you have their chili? And you get a little half mushroom in there, and it's really small. And they're like slimy, it's almost. Slimy, and it's like really like squishy. Yeah. Kind of like I kind of like can. Like I kind of oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I kind of like I kind
1: of <laughs> eat. Those like, oh, that's kind of weird. Same
0: thing as like the fucking canned mushroom soup. Like, yeah. Those things are shit, but I, I still eat it.
1: I grew up on on canned cream mushroom soup, right? Yeah. But like, if you've only ever had that as a mushroom, and that's your frame of reference, like, like no wonder you don't like mushrooms. Sure. If you've never had like uh chanterelles and shiitake mushrooms and oyster mushrooms that have been like really fried hard in in soaked in butter yeah like and have crispy (laughs) edges and then have butter and sage and garlic added to them like you don't know what a mushroom should taste like you don't know like a shiitake mushroom can taste like something totally different when it's um when it's been like like sliced up and sauteed or when it's been um like slowly cooked in in a in a japanese kind of like soy mirin broth and it yeah. kind of like it gets it soaks up all the flavor and then when you eat it it's like if you ever had like a shiitake mushroom like in uh sometimes chinese preparations or japanese preparations yeah. where you bite into it and it's like full of like the juice and the, yeah. and the soup that it has been cooked in it's like yeah. one of the most delicious things yeah. right and yeah. i just feel bad for people i had people over a few <laughs> months ago and i'm like just try the mushroom eh? <laughs> and they're like no absolutely not and it it, it just made me sad that they're never going to be able to
0: and i never really off. thought about it that way it's totally like something that just like sucks up all of the different flavors of everything else that's in that dish totally. and they eat it and it doesn't even taste like like raw mushroom. Like it tastes like everything else that's in that dish. Yeah. So, but you
1: know what? I, I will answer your question definitively. The if you could only eat one with the food? one dish. And when people ask me this question, when they say like, what do you want to cook? What is your favorite thing to eat? Maybe like just cooking cook for, for yourself. yourself? And this would maybe? also be my answer to your question is if I can only eat one thing, it's kind of like a childhood favorite. It would be something that would be like a classic family recipe, which there aren't really that many, Yeah. but this is how we did it. And it's chicken, ginger, and onions with soy and like a sweet Japanese cooking wine called mirin. Yeah. And rice. And that's it. And to me, it's probably the most delicious and endlessly satisfying thing in the world. And when people are like, what's your thing? It's that. And here's how I do it. And I made it the other night for some friends in Toronto because um, I was visiting them. There was my old roommate, and he was talking about, he's like, Hey, can you make that chicken dish that you used to make back in the day? And I'm like, Yeah, I'll do it, man. Okay. And like, he's like, Can you teach my wife how to make it? And I'm like, Okay, sure. It's <laughs> as like as she doesn't mind. Yeah. And then, but the whole dinner was just such a success because. Um, his father-in-law ended up coming over and we all ate together and they just, people just were like over the moon. And I love it when you can introduce something that is so simple. Because yeah. I just told you all the ingredients that go into it, it's yeah. so simple, but it's just the way it, it, it gets put together. And it takes some time because you have to take the chicken and you cook it in, the, in, a, in a big pan. You render a lot of the fat out of the skin and then you take really thinly sliced ginger and you, and like, I use so much ginger. I use like, like a ridiculous amount of ginger. If I was making a pot of chicken about that big, I'm kind of like, yeah. You know, like a large sized pot i would use a mountain of ginger like this okay
0: are you serving it with the ginger in there or are you yeah. just using it to
1: no so ginger is hot and it's kind of harsh yeah but what you do is you stuff it into the chicken fat and you slowly cook it down and you render it and it almost like it caramelizes and it kind of candies the ginger yeah and it turns it from being harsh and and nasty to and i like raw ginger And I like pickled ginger and all that. But this is a type of ginger that you have never had before. Because you've never had somebody cook it like this. In chicken fat? In chicken fat, very, very slowly. And then we take the chicken out. We add the onions, sliced onions. And then we deglaze with with the medium and a little bit of soy. And we add water and just kind of simmer it down. And then all that stuff, you know, scrape all the bits off the bottom of the pan. All that stuff starts to form a sauce. And the onions really render down, too. You caramelize them. And they become part of the sauce. So you put the chicken back in and you eat this over like white rice. Yeah. And it is the most delicious thing you've <laughs> ever had.
0: Anything over white rice. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be mine. It's just straight up rice. Yeah. Not that, like, well, some people actually live off that. You kind of have to, but um, I don't know what mine would be. Um, Probably like, I'd probably be the same thing with you. Like some sort of cooked meat a top of rice mm-hmm. that would i'd probably do it but i could probably just live off straight up rice like no butter no fucking goddamn soy on my rice <laughs> straight up rice yeah. <laughs> right thanks for being on the podcast oh you're this welcome this is good thanks for having me i feel like anybody listening is probably gonna go eat now <laughs> right <laughs> um and i feel like we could still probably go on about food and oh, yeah. probably the next time you come on we should do it sounds good um I would love to cook with you sometime. Let's do it. I I accept your challenge to being your sous chef. I get it. I fucking get it. Because it's, it's, very, it's very much like directing and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I want it a certain fucking way. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll take fucking 100 takes to get it right until we get it right. So, um, I would love to Well, that's to the
1: difference with cooking, okay, is that we only have one take to get it right. Shit. We can't fuck up.
0: I'm okay i gotta say for myself though like if you show me how to do it once like yeah. i can easily copy whatever it is that you show me all right um if it's if it's like 20 things that you're showing me like to be able to do it i don't know about that but like you know give me like five things like show me how to do it and i can do it easy um i've always been the sous chef with with people like who love to cook and stuff and i've been able to do it i'm not the best at like being like a head chef and like making it happen because like i've I no idea. I just like to eat. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would love to love to try that with you. Sounds good. Um, let's do this again. All right. I think we could talk about food for way longer. Like sure. just I just need to cut this off because I don't want to have to put on more on my website than I have to. <laughs> you can give me quite a bit. We did uh, an hour and a half. So it's pretty good. Thanks for being on the show. Thank uh, you. I never know how to end these. Check out that's plug stuff. Do you have anything we can plug of yours?
1: Yeah, check out my Instagram.
0: What's your Instagram?
1: It's Yosh underscore oh, underscore I hate how you can underscore, underscore underscore underscore. <laughs> five underscores. <laughs> I want it to say Yosh. So really? I just kept adding underscores until I could get
0: <laughs> that handle. Um what's my Instagram? My Instagram is just straight up Ninio Pinlack like everything yeah. else is. Go on YouTube, been Pinlac, Facebook, been Pinlac. uh twitter and any of
1: well if you follow nino then you can then search for me and it'll come up
0: you will be on um yeah cook me some food actually let's do one let's do the next one yeah let's like we'll mic ourselves the audio is not going to be as great as this mm-hmm. but um let's do a podcast and let's cook stuff
1: how about this let's do one of those where we podcast it and we'll figure out what we want to make for that sure. and then let's do another one and it's on video and that that time you get to be the director
0: you want me to cook something no, or you, tell you, you how to
1: cook you, something? You direct it. You direct the video. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll do a cooking video. Oh, yeah. Kind of bring it all together.
0: I never even thought about directing a fucking cooking yeah. video. Holy shit. Yeah. And make it all, like, artsy and shit. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, cool. let's do it. All right, thanks for being on the show.